Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode of the Choku Secrets podcast presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I am your host, Nathan DeSaw, who, in this little series, will be taking up the mantle of Shinkin Silver. That's what I'm calling myself, and I'm sticking with it. Um, anyway, last time, guys, we gave you a little preview of what was to come, and today we're officially kicking it off. We've finished one journey with our little treasure hunt with the Gokaijers, and today we're starting a new journey, the journey of a samurai. And I am not taking this journey alone. I got plenty of people here to accompany me on this journey, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you real quick. So the fellow Shinkinjers in the room, state your name and whatever Shinkinjer color you want to take on. It really doesn't matter. Go ahead, guys. I guess I'll go first. Uh, hi, I'm Rizwan Merchant, and I'm thinking black. Not a color. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm. Y'all are bad at this. <laughs> you can take whatever color you want. Hey, I'm. Uh, I'm a Patrick, and I'm taking red because the uh, Takuru is my favorite Sentai character. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> <You're with. laughs> All right, we got one more person. Where's our, where's our green samurai? Come on, Anthony. He's hiding pretty well. <laughs> Imaski yeah. green, Anthony Davis. Oh my gosh. There we go. There oh, we go. Good, good job, Anthony. Like... <laughs> he was AWOL for five minutes. Again, but like, didn't work for some reason. Cool. Oh, and yeah, guys, we got uh, we got another person joining uh, us with uh, Patrick. This is his spoiler alert. The Sentai we're going to be talking about over these next couple of videos is his favorite Sentai. So yeah, they kind of blackmailed me uh, to doing this when they mentioned Shin Kenjir. So <laughs> it wasn't yeah. really blackmail. You wanted in, and you know yeah, it. I I did. <laughs> I blackmailed my. Yeah, like, oh, hiding crap. <laughs> you didn't hide. Uh, before we get started, we're going to be, uh, you know, brief uh, Ranaut section. Patrick, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have a brief section where we talk about some news of Tokusatsu called the Randomly Assorted News of Tokusatsu. Ranaut, as I call it. I, lo I love the abbreviation. <laughs> it's so great. It, I used to it's yeah. creative. <laughs> it is. <laughs> The only big piece, uh, we already talked about uh, the stuff with uh, the the scans of Don Brothers and everything in the last video. So uh, the only big thing that's uh, come out is that um, Power Rangers Dino Fury has been nominated for a media reward from, uh, for uh, the GLAAD, which is um, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Uh, long story short, they're basically a... Um, uh, media company that likes to, uh, you know, promote LGBT rights, and they've nominated uh, Dino Fury due to um, them including uh, an LGBT character, Izzy, the Green Ranger, since uh, I, think we I think we said this when we did our little Dino Fury review, but uh, Izzy is officially considered a lesbian because we see her dating a girl in one episode, so uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and for the record, uh, 
Power Rangers has received a couple of awards. Um, there's only one that's been uh, somewhat um, ambitious. Uh, both Steve Cardenas and uh, Blake Foster actually received uh, um, Best Leading Young Actor Award nominations for the Young Artist Awards um, for their appearances in the uh, Mighty Morphin movie and the... Um, and the Turbo movie. Uh, Alex Hartman, who played Jaden in Samurai, was apparently nominated for a favorite TV actor on the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. I guess. And uh, <laughs> The only big one was that Time Force got nominated previously for a, um, for a sound editing Emmy. They were nominated for the Most Outstanding Sound Mix. Which, okay, I mean, Time Force does seem like a very Emmy-worthy show. I don't know why sound editing would be the thing, but, you know, it's whatever. Hey, it um, looks like we can get in this house, all right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked for this. I'm pretty happy uh, that, you know, Power Rangers is getting this type of uh, recognition. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we got to take our hat off to Power Rangers for giving this type of... Um, you know, representation. Uh, it, I know one person who's probably really happy, and that's David Yost, who played Billy. Um, oh. After all the, after all the stuff that he went through during his time mm-hmm. in Mighty Morphin, mm-hmm. freaking times. Yeah, this, this feels like it's been a little bit long overdue, but I, I blame that mostly. Yeah, on the band holding them back, but because it, well, power has always been about. I guess including because every team has been very diverse throughout its entire history. So adding a LGBTQ member is fitting and justified, and <laughs> I'm glad it's finally happening. On top of the fact no, that Izzy is right. the best character in Dino Fury to this point, and I think most people would agree with me on that. Dude, uh, Izzy must be protected at all yeah. costs. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. we're in agreement here. <laughs> we're in agreement on this yeah. one. Oh yeah, <laughs> like she has her moments, but like it doesn't deteriorate from her like at her being like a good character. So I, so I will give you that. Yeah, yeah, that's um pretty good. I mean, I, I will. I mean, the only other time that I would say, and even then, this was speculation. You know, somebody once told me that they thought uh, Kelsey from uh, from uh, Lightspeed Rescue was a lesbian. But that's probably the closest thing we ever got to LGBT representation, so it's, uh... I mean, I don't think we had enough hints to say that, though. No. I mean, fan fan canon is one thing. Yeah. But I I could believe it if she was. (laughs) But I mean, I could believe, like, Z or Sid were also, you know lesbian or whatever just like i could believe kimberly or cat because you know it's a story it's whatever <laughs> the producer and director decide to tell us uh-huh. is the canon and up until dino fury we were never told yeah we were never given hey. anything official yeah right so this is the first mm-hmm. time we're like hey idiots fyi this one likes uh, girls just go with that do what you will with it yeah yeah and much. i think the coolest part of it is that it's not any controversial thing. It's just a, by the way, 
in addition to being a badass Green Ranger, she's also interested in girls. Like it wasn't like a in your face type of thing, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Because they're just tr- they're showing how normalized it can be and how easy it is to normalize it, which needs to happen. I mean, even the episode exactly. where they reveal that she's a lesbian, it's it's done in like a pretty clever way where you know, uh, Hobby thinks that she has a crush on this guy and he tries to set her up with the guy, but then at the end, it turns out that she's actually interested in a girl. Like, it's pretty clever, but they don't make it like a really big reveal like mm-hmm. like oh my god like this is like the greatest thing ever they just play it pretty casually and i think you know that's probably the best way anybody could ask for lgbt representation just don't try to portray it as being a big deal just show that it's normal and we yeah. need to treat it like that right mm-hmm. exactly that was about it um for the news uh Dino Fury is awesome, um, and I'm glad that it's getting this uh, not a not really a prestigious but still pretty awesome um, award nomination. Uh, did you guys have anything else? Uh, any news that you guys uh, found? Nothing that I saw this week, anyway. Not this week, no. Nah. All right. All right, well, with that said, we're going to uh, jump into the Sentai that we're going to be looking over for uh, the next couple of videos. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a look at the 33rd Super Sentai series, Samurai Sentai Shinkinger. We're going to be taking a look at episodes 1 through 10, although this is one of those Sentais where the episodes are actually given unique names. Uh, they're called Axe, in this case. There's a bunch of Sentai that did that. I think the first one to ever do it was Time Ranger. They called their episodes uh, Case Files. Um, in fact, uh, I think uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're doing it in Sentai anymore. But for a long time, like especially in like the uh, early to mid two thousands, the only uh, Sentai's that actually just called them episodes were uh, were um, Go Kaiger and Deca Ranger. I think. But that's just besides the point. Um, a couple of uh, facts about Shin Kinger before we get started, um, just uh, jumping into these episodes. Um, uh, it aired uh, Shin Kinger from 2009 to 2010. Um, it was adapted, albeit extremely poorly, into Power Ranger Samurai and Power Ranger Super Samurai, even though that. For our full opinions on that, watch our previous video. Yeah. <laughs> um, the head- we saved you the headache, Patrick. Hmm? We saved you the headache of talking about Samurai. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've uh, already stated my opinions on Samurai and where what went wrong in the writing many times before, so I don't need to repeat myself again. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I can when we get to the... Admit- review series, because we'll have full context by then, but I'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. The head writer of Shinkinger is Yasuku uh, Yasuko Kobayashi, um, who, even at the point of uh, this, uh, even at the point where Shinkinger was airing, uh, was a pretty uh, experienced head writer. She, uh, 
previously was the head writer of uh, Gingaman and Time Ranger. And she also, prior to this series, was the head writer of uh, Kamen Rider Ryuki and Dino. Um, and she would go on to do, uh, and after Shinkinger, she would go on to be the head writer of uh, Kamen Rider O's. Um, this one web series, uh, Amazons, that wasn't, a, that wasn't like a one that actually aired on Japanese television. I hear it was just a web series. Um, and uh, Go Busters and Tokuger. That's a pretty impressive resume. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a really big fan of uh, Tokuger, but, uh, and I haven't seen Dino or Amazon, but uh, I'm a big fan of Gingaman and Time Ranger. Yeah, so, I, uh, haven't, I haven't gotten to Time Ranger myself, but the last I finished watching from beginning to end was Gingaman. And now that you mention it, it does make a lot of sense because that season and the one we're about to start covering is very good at uh, character development. <clears throat> very good characterization. Very good char- And they don't leave any members of the team behind in terms of writing like some seasons usually do. So um, it, it really does make a lot of sense. And I'm actually kind of Excited for time range now that I know this. <laughs> the only other thing, um, this Sentai is the only Sentai to feature a samurai motif. And uh, the other big thing is that um, in 2019, um, or maybe it was earlier than that, um, uh, with, the, uh, with the Heisei era coming to an end in Japan and the Reiwa era, um, beginning, uh, there were actually Super Sentai fans in Japan that were polled to see what their favorite Sentai was in the Heisei era, and Shinkinger won. Like, it was voted number one. And uh, for the record, the top ten was uh, Shinkinger. Uh, number two was Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger. Uh, number three was Gal Ranger. Really? Um, four was Tokuger. Seriously? Tokuger was in the top five? Um, number five was Gokaiger. Why, why would you put Tokuger before Gokaiger? That's surprising. Seriously. That's surprisingly low for Gokaiger, actually. That is surprising. Um, six was Hurricaneger. Seven was Decaranger. Eight was Time Ranger. Nine was Kaku Ranger. And ten was Gogo Five. Yay, Kaku. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Tokuger being high is uh, kind of interesting because I don't think it's very popular here in the United States, but I guess Super Sentai fans in Japan have different opinions. Yeah, I'll um, say, but we weren't polled, were we? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we're going to start um, with uh, talking about episodes 1 through 10. I'm going to be um, giving... a. Uh, you know, as per usual, we'll be um, using the, uh, you know, we'll be going through our format where we talk about, where each of us talk about an episode until we get to number 10. I'm going to be kicking off with the uh, first episode, uh, which is called The Gallant Appearance of the Five Samurai. Um, so, uh, this Sentai actually features a narrator that often explains stuff. Um, to us, instead of uh, it just being kind of uh, exp- exposited by the characters. Um, so the episode begins, uh, you know, we um, were told about um, the 
um, something known as a crevice, which is which like any gap between things in the world would le- is a connection between our world and a different world called the Sanzu River. And uh, one of the children, um, a child that's playing with uh, his friends, gets attacked by um, the foot soldiers for this season, called the Nanashi Rinsu, or just Nanashi for short. Um, the narrator tells us this. Um, and as he's being attacked, he gets saved by our mentor for this character, uh, for this season, um, Hikoma Kusakebe. Uh, they just call him G for short. That's what we'll just call him for, the, for this series. And uh, we get this pretty uh, badass introduction where uh, we meet our, one of our main characters, Takeru Shiba, who transforms into Shinken Red, and um, he... You know, he has his battle with the Nanashi. Um, and unlike, and uh, this is one of those Sentai that uh, starts off where instead of just playing the opening sequence, they play the theme song over the opening battle, which is awesome. And uh, just to make a brief pause, uh, the Shinkenger theme song is awesome. Like, uh, I would... Well, it's in, it's in my top two. Well, Psychic Lover is cheating. I mean, what... <laughs> what song yeah. have they done that isn't good? They've done, they done songs sprinkled throughout Rider, Sentai, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh! And they, it's just constantly good stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's probably my favorite Sentai intro, personally. Yeah, they also did the theme song for Decoranger. I think they yes. did the closing theme song for Bokenger. Bokenger, yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, so anyway, after that battle, um, Takeru meets with G, um, and we basically, uh, learned that, uh, since the, um, Nanashi are appearing, that means that, uh, we're getting, um, that the world is going to be invaded by demons from the Sanzu River called the Ghetto Shu, um, and that probably means that their leader, their overlord, Shimatsuri Dokoku, is going to be revived is going to revive, so they need to recruit um, Takeru's four vassals um, to become, uh, you know, to become Shinkinders and help them, but Takeru doesn't want, doesn't want that to happen. Um, after this, we're introduced to uh, pretty much our main villains in the Sanzu River. Um, they all live in this ship that, uh, that's floating in the Sanzu River. Um, the main villain is uh, Shimatsuri Dokoku, who, uh, he's just the leader, doesn't really do much early on, except just drink sake. It was calm. And, uh, that, it was pretty pathetic how they tried to cover that up in Samurai. They called it medicine for his headache. Like, seriously. Um, the other villains are, uh, da- what was that? I, I think, uh, what they did with, um, what was his name? Zandrid and Samurai was meant to be, a. Uh... A joking homage to Rita. Yeah. Pretty so, bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other two villains are um, Dayu. She's, uh, this, uh, she's the female villain. And no, I'm not talking about the Power Rangers villain. That's actually her name here in uh, Shinkinger 2. Um, she plays her uh, shamisen. She plays music for Dokoku. And then we have, uh, I guess you could say, kind of like the... Um, the vil um the villain that he's like uh 
he carries his staff and is kind of like the like a wise man for the for the vil- villains. His name is Shitari. He was uh, Octoru and uh and samurai, and they prepare to send uh, their generals. Um, they're called Ayakashi to attack the human world. Then after that, we get introduced to our four vassals, all of whom uh, we'll find out a little bit more in the later episode. But long story short, um, all four of these people have been raised their entire lives, some a little bit more extreme than others, as we'll find out through the series, um, to be samurai and, um, you know, waiting for the moment where they might have to become Shinkinjers and um, fight with Takeru. Um, these four people include an aspiring Kabuki actor, Ryunosuke Ikenami. Uh, this uh, young woman who's basically just a helper at a local kindergarten, uh, Mako Shiraishi. Um, a young slacker who doesn't really like to train and just mostly loves to play video games, Chiaki Tani. And um, a young farm girl, um, Kotaha Hanaori. And uh, and the thing is, is that um, all four, of, all five of the of these samurai, they carry around these uh, small little symbols. They're called origami. They have a, uh, they have the um, the kanji symbols for their elements. So Takeru has fire, Ryunosuke water, um, Mako heaven, Chiaki wood, and uh, Kotoha earth. Uh, these are like their um, symbols that indicate their uh, samurai um, position, and it's been passed down from parent to child. G uh, <clears throat> prepares to uh, send a message to the other vassals, and it's during this time that we uh, we see a brief flashback of Takeru um, getting the Shinken red symbol from his father. His father is literally on fire and has arrows coming out of him. Because, you know, this is a kid's show, so that's totally appropriate. Um, Dark. Yeah. He shoot, uh, he, G shoots these arrows to each of them, uh, you know, just with the message to gather. Um, Takeru is given uh, um, four sh- uh, Soto phones. Uh, the Soto phones are what they use to transform. Uh, and we'll, um, well, And I'll explain how these things work in a second. Um, all four vassals come together. Takeru, um, Takeru meets up with them and gives them each a Soto phone, although first he asks if they accept their duties as samurai. They all come together to uh, fight the Ayakashi, and they use the Soto phones. Um, and the way that the Soto phones work is that uh, they're cell phones, but they have a little extendable brush on the end, and they use the brush to uh, activate what's called their Mojikara, where they simply draw um, kanji symbols with the um, with the Soto phones, and then the and then their emoji power will bring those symbols to life. Um, so, like for example, Takeru draws the symbol for horse. His emoji power brings a horse to life for him to do it. And in this case, they draw their um, kanji symbols for their elements to become Shinkenger. So uh, Takeru becomes Shinken Red. Uh, Ryunosuke is Shinken Blue, Mako is Shinken Pink, Chiaki is Shinken Green, and Kotoha is Shinken Yellow. And together they are Samurai Sentai Shinkender. And uh, we're going to, in a brief pause here before we continue, um, want to briefly talk about the uh, Shinkender suits. 
Um, and of course, you guys should I give your opinions too. Um, but just to start off, you know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, when I first saw these suits, now keep in mind, I first saw these suits when Shin Kendra was airing. So I was, uh, I, uh, I didn't really know what to think. They looked a little too different with the helmets. But looking back all these years later, I would say that these suits are probably in my top five. Like, I think that they're, I mm. think that the kanji symbols translate well on the helmet. And I think the big thing that does it for me is the black Y on their chest. It really makes the suit look like a samurai robe or a kimono. Yeah. That's the thing that really does it for me. So, yeah. I, I was turned off by them at first because they look different, but that was back way back. Nowadays, they're probably some of my favorite. Yeah, like what they, do you guys think? They they fit the the motif pretty well. I mean, because Sentai, it's been a problem that they haven't had recently. But a lot of the older seasons, sometimes the suits don't really mesh well with. Them concept like that's always like the biggest jab that people have with the zoo ranger suits what's up with the diamond pattern on the on the chest it doesn't have anything to do with the theme but um yeah. but with the suits actually looking like samurai robes with the like you said the y shape on them it's it's, it's just aesthetically pleasing to look at like there's nothing like offsetting like uh for you, Drew's one shoulder pad <laughs> that drove everybody crazy for that whole year. Um, that was bad. No, <laughs> they, yeah. that that still bothers me to this day. By the way, um, but yeah, it, they're just simple, clean to the point, and they fit. So not much more I can say about that. And yeah, definitely, the black matches the my, my... Like blends uh, the 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 black pants matches well with the uh, the aesthetic altogether. Yeah. What, what do you think of it, Riz? The suits. I have no problems with the suits. I thought they're, you know, they look samurai esque, and I enjoy the way they look. I have no complaints about them. They're fine suits. Yeah, I don't think I can complain about these suits too much. Um, yeah, I mean they're. There's nothing egregious about them that makes me want to yell, no, stop. This is bad. Like, they're just, they're good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, so, uh, we get our typical, uh, first battle with the, uh, Shinkingers after this. Um, a couple of things to talk about with the Shinkingers, um, so they have their standard uh, weapons, like with every Sentai. And of course, because this is a samurai-themed series, they are um, katana weapons. Um, they're called the Shinkimaru. Um, and in the Shinkinger's belt buckles, they're able to uh, deploy what's essentially the gimmick for this season, the, hit, the secret disc. Um, now, whenever they do their uh, pose, they always put on the standard black um, um, hidden discs, and uh, when those discs are, and all the discs when they're attached to the handle can spin to give the Shinkimarus uh, different abilities. When the standard black ones are spun, they transform into the Shinkinger's uh, individual weapons. Um, Takeru gets this giant bladed weapon called the Reika Daisanto. Um, Ryunosuke gets this energy bow called the Water Arrow. Uh, Mako gets a, the Heaven Fan, a fan weapon. Uh, Chiaki gets the Wood Spear. 
and Kotoha gets this uh, three-pronged boomerang called the Land Slicer. Um, and uh, all of these weapons are powered by the um, by each Shinkinger special hidden disc, um, which goes with their uh, origami, which we'll get to in a second. And uh, briefly, uh, later on, we actually find out that when the personal discs, so like the fire, water, heaven, blah, 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 um, get attached to the Shinkimaru, each Shinkinger can perform their own personal slash attack. Like, you know, fire slash for Takeru, water for Ryunosuke, etc. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> now that we have that uh, out of the way, uh, basically to cut the rest of this uh, story short, um, Takeru defeats the Ayakashi with his Reika Daizanto. Um, the growing method for the Ghetto Shu is that they all come with a second life that allows them to revive and become bigger every time they're defeated. Um, the Shinkinjers then reveal that the symbols that they carry have this have their uh, animal form called origami, and they're able to use their mojikara to make them bigger. So the origami are basically their mechs for the season. Uh, Takeru has the shishi, or lion, origami. Ryunosuke has the ryu, or dragon, origami. Mako, the turtle. Um, Shiaki, bear. And Kotoha, ape. Um, and a... And a Funnily enough, uh, we actually don't see the debut of the main mech in this. They actually just defeat the monster with their uh, individual mechs. Watch me know, correction, Takeru defeats the Ghetto Shu with his mech. Because, as we'll find out, Takeru is pretty, is pretty powerful in this season by himself. Um, mm -hmm. The Shinkinders have their own little victory phrase that they say at the end of every... Uh, battle called that brings this chapter to a conclusion which sounds so much better More than close. samurai Ranger. yeah which is so much better than samurai rangers victory is ours by the way um and the episode ends with all the shinkinjers coming back to Tekeru's uh shiba house and uh the narrator tells us you know that we have you know this is the beginning of the battle and done so, uh, yeah, this episode, I think, uh, just to break the ice, um, since I was leading on this episode, uh, I think this episode was pretty good. Um, th the most important thing for a debut episode, in my opinion, is to establish the, uh, what every character is like, um, this episode does a really good job at giving us some of the ideas. Like, uh, I can definitely tell that Takeru is a little bit more of a, you know, kind of a loner, serious Red Ranger. Um, <clears throat> I think it does a good job at establishing Ryunosuke and Kotoha's characters. Pretty okay with Chiaki and uh, Mako. We'll go into more details with who these characters are later, but... Um, yeah, I, I'd say that this episode is pretty solid for our first episode. I... Um, is, and I definitely appreciate it a lot more since I've seen a lot of really bad opening episodes. Yeah. But uh, what do you guys think? Yeah. Go ahead, give your two cents. Bouncing off that last thing you just said, um, this is one, it's always something I thought Power Rangers has done better than Super Sentai is first episodes for Sentai seasons are usually hilariously rushed. And 
for Sentai to do all of this, set up lore, set up power, set up everything in essentially 22 minutes and it being paced well, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment at this point. Because many Sentai seasons just flop on this. So to get off on a good paced episode like this while still not leaving us out to dry is it's it's good. It really is. Because I'm glad that they skipped the whole mecha transformation in the first episode too. That always bothers me when they do that in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with showing mechs in the first episode, but mm -hmm. Maybe try to mix it up and like have them just destroy, like defeat the monster with just the individual mechs first, and then debut the main yeah. combination mech later. Because it's always it's a, a, an elongated combination sequence, and that just adds a lot of unnecessary dead air time to the first episode when it doesn't really have time for it. So. Mm. What about you, Rizwan? So. I will say for episode one, act one, it's a fine pilot to the series season. Um, definitely interested in the world you're creating. Um, the characters in episode one are interesting. There's a lot of things I'd like to know more about them. So at the end of episode one, when I watched it, so as a reminder to those that don't remember from Gokaiser, um, I mentioned a few times that I had never seen Stinkenzer until now. And up until this recording, I've stopped myself from watching Beyond Episode 10. Just so that when I do give an opinion, I'm giving it from the perspective of somebody brand new who's never seen any of this. And probably doesn't really know how it'll go. And while I know exactly how Samurai goes, I'm trying to keep that out of my opinion here. Um, just because it's not fair to compare the heaping garbage that was Samurai to Sinkenzer. Right. Um, so I will say that episode one's a great pilot to kind of get us into the world, understand better what's happening, um, kind of get us our feet wet, if you may. Uh, the characters are interesting. Um, I will say that Dear God, at the end of episode one, I could not stand Blue. Um, his personality grated on me quite a bit. Um, his little kneeling at the end was a little too much. It was. Like, he yeah. just... He, he yeah. felt like an exact copy of Samurai Blue to me. And <laughs> I couldn't deal with how much of a copy... I know, like, Sinkenzer is directly copied into Ranger, but holy crap. Why did they give Power Rangers this inspiration to have that kind of character in there so? Yeah. Because they they really gave uh Ryanosuke a very agitating and annoying personality right out the gate. And unfortunately that translates bad to America. So that that was a mistake on their part, I think. Um, Indeed. I have, I have some thoughts on Tekaru, but I'm going to hold off until we get to the a later episode where I can do a better job illustrating my thoughts on him. You sure? I mean, the next episode, you know. 
I mean, right now, I will say that Takeru, I understand his deal with, I want to be a loner because I don't trust the other houses. I get that. Um, but the way he acted a bit here, he acts like an asshole. And not in a fun asshole way like other Reds have been in the past. He's more he's more aggressive about it. And I'm not sure how I feel about him right now, but I will he delve does. more into Red as we go through this review. And then the fireworks will start pretty soon between you. Well, if if, if, if Riz is watching through Shinkenger for the first time, I kind I, I think I can kind of see why you feel the way you do because Shinkenger is in a way his story. Yeah. So and how you feel about you know, him is going to change drastically as we go. So. Yeah, and I have a feeling I know how it's going to change as we go through Beyond 10. Mm -hmm. Just because I've seen Samurai, and I know the big thing that happens mm -hmm. three quarters of the way through the series. I know that it's spoiler for the most part. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I just... Right now, Takaru has a lot of things that I'm not a fan of, to put it lightly. But I think I can better explain why when we get to episode five. Yeah. So, without further ado, Nate, let's move on. Yep. Uh, we're going to move on to act two, the stylish combination. Um, I'm going to let Rizwan take the, uh, take the reins for this one. So uh, take it away, Riz. Right. Yeah, this is my episode. Hey, guys. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> act two, the stylish combination. This is a mainly team-centric episode where we get more team bonding between the different Sinkensers. And episode opens with the narrator man giving a history of the battles that happened hundreds of years ago with the Gedosu and the Sinkensers. And he explains that Sinken Red is the lord of the houses and the other Sinkansers in the team are his vassals. And they explain that this bond is very sacred because a lord is nothing without the vassals, and the vassals are nothing without a lord, basically. So they give a lot of the background of where this culture came from. And I believe it's around this point that they also start to mention that up until now, the concept of a Sentai based off of these five was not a thing before now the families had samurai that came out to fight but now they have sentai super sentai members taking up the helm from the families itself so this is kind of the debut in the family generations of a super sentai to combat uh Gidusu. is it am i saying that right i never actually knew yeah, you're saying it right. Okay, thanks. I just I feel weird when I say I need Japanese word, and if I, I don't, I don't want to say it wrong and sound like a total idiot. I'm okay with sounding like a parcel idiot. <laughs> oh, man, you're good. Okay. Yeah, you, no, you're doing so, good. So when we fast forward to the present, the Sinkins are training uh, to learn their Mojikara, and 
everyone's doing well because they've been all training for this since they were born, basically. Except Tsuyaki. My man Tsuyaki doesn't know the correct stroke order to do the kanji. And he has a great deal of trouble getting that stroke order correct. And if you don't get the stroke order correct, you can't perform the magic or the spell or the technique. It just will not happen for you. And also in the training, we see the differences in the different team members. And the way that we see them is we have Ryunosuke, who is very by the book, very just groveling, loyal to the Lord Red. Like anything he does is in the interest of Red. It's to serve Red. It's to, you know, help the family the best they can. And he does it in such a way that's so annoying, like throughout the entire thing. But then we have others like Tsiaki. Tsiaki grew up with this custom and tradition, but he didn't really pay a lot of mind to tradition and other stuff. He wanted to play video games. I mean, look, he's like us. He's a bro. He just wants to hang out with his friends, play some video games, and just be a normal... Eat some good food. Eat some good food and be a teenager, dude. That's all he wanted. But as we've seen in episode one, when duty calls, you must answer no matter what you're doing. So Tsiaki is having a hard time having his two worlds collide. Where in one world, he's a normal, everyday, average teenager. But in the other world, Tsiaki is very much so a vassal to Lord Red. And he can't he can't bring these two worlds together in his mind because in one world, it doesn't make sense for him to say Takaru is his Lord and that Takaru is, um, you know, this great thing that you, you can't, you can't say anything against. Like the others treat him kind of like a God, but Tiaki sees it more like he's not our God. He's just another guy, but he has a higher title than we do. And I'll definitely help him, but I'm not going to call him Lord. Screw that. It doesn't make sense to me. And so Takaru tells him, you'll be fired if you don't take your samurai duty seriously. He doesn't care about, you know, the Lord titles and all that. He just wants to make sure that the people that he's working with are taking the duties as serious as he is. The issue is Takaru takes his duties too seriously, in my opinion. And to the point where he starts to alienate Tsiaki from the others. Like, he doesn't try to team build. He doesn't try to get to know them. He's more focused on being this high and mighty lord and sitting up on top away from the others in meetings and, you know, ruling. He he acts like a miniature lord of a kingdom of five people. Six, if you count his... um his caretaker, I forget his name right now, it's getting slipped my memory, but... Um, Just call him G. G, thank you. I couldn't remember if that was only in America, because I wanted to say Master G, but I was like, no, nah, man, that's America. But, they okay. call him G and Shin Kendra, too. Actually, it was Mentor G in, um, in Samurai, but he called, they call him G in this one. Okay, but they're still both named G. <laughs> Titles don't matter, <laughs> god dang it. I'm Tsiaki on the inside. Don't you get it yet? 
<laughs> oh man. Basically. The only lord here is Riz Lord, alright? Oh Lord. Uh, oh great. <laughs> yes, you called my son. Oh my god, I walked right into that, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your high horse already. <laughs> wow, now you sound like Siaki too. I like it. <laughs> I'm not calling you my lord. Just FYI. I'm okay with that as long as you pull your weight. Jeez. Where did this ego come from? <laughs> oh, I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Meanwhile, while this is all going on, in the Sanzi River, Dokaku reveals that the Gidusu want to overflow the Sanzi River to flood the human world to make it more habitable for their people to live and rule over. But to do so, they must cause a fear and despair in the human world, meaning they got to send monsters to the world to make people cry and scream and feel hopeless and sad and depressed and all the other feelings that are out there. And this will, as the humans despair and feel this agony, the Sanzi River will slowly grow and rise in size and it'll overflow out. So they use Ayakasi to do this. Um, So they release him to go to his bidding, and we slip back over to the Siba household, and Kotoha has vanished. And so Ryo, Ryo, Nosoku, Tsiaki, and Mako go out looking for her. And again, Ryu is going to take the role of a samurai very seriously because his parents were really serious on him to do so. And he gave up his dream to be a kabuki actor, at least temporarily, to become a samurai to uphold the family vows that they made ages ago, basically. Um, We also see that Siaki, like I mentioned, is very much more laid back. Uh, His parents were not as interested in the samurai lifestyle, but they still did what they could while doing all that. Um, And Mako wants to get married and have a family. But she had to abandon her dream to go become a samurai. And, you know, they're talking about all these different dreams they had before they became samurai with Takuru. And they kind of resolve that, yeah, this is, this is until they can defeat the enemy. Then they can go back to their dreams of getting married, going back to the arts, and I guess for Chiaki going back to being a gamer boy, which is great. Um... We also find out what I think is one of the more fascinating stories of the of the four Kotahas. Um, she was not supposed to be the vassal to Red. It was her older sister, but her older sister was extremely sick and couldn't take on the mantle. And her sister Kotaha did it instead. And she is trying her level best to be sink and yellow. But she's struggling, so she has snuck off to go train with her uh, little wooden sword yep. to try and improve her technique uh, the best she can to be a better service to Takaru and the work they're doing here. Um, 
And so back in Siva household, the sin cancers get notified via the crevice sensors that the house has created to tell them when Zedusu entered a human world. And this is the first time the team will really come together as a team after being together for a little bit to take on the Zedusu. And I got to say that um, those scenes were kind of, they were a bit more than I expected for when I, when I figured out they wanted to cause despair and stuff, they were legitimately making these people depressed. And like, if this was made like this year or last year, I feel like there'd be a lot of calls to request for trigger warnings to be added before the episode begins because they were pretty intense stuff going on with the citizens of the town uh, wanting to go towards like suicidal thoughts and depressive things. And I mean, I'm not affected by it as much, but I I just have to imagine it was made like a more recent time. We'd have those concerns raised a lot more. So just kind of know that those topics do crop up a little bit here. They're not overt, but they do happen for like a good minute and a half or two minutes at least. Um, and during the battle that ensues between the Sinkensers and the uh, Zedusu, um, the four vassals are hurt, and Kotaha is actually really hurt. And Takaru tells everyone, abandon her, because she's too weak to carry on um, and not worth the help because they have b- uh, bigger things to deal with. And this really annoys the others. Even Ryu stands up to him. He's like, no, we we can't leave her because we can't. She's, she's one of us and we're not going to abandon our friends here. <coughs> and that makes them doubt Takaru. And is it really worth fighting for him? And as they're kind of discussing this on the side while Takaru keeps fighting, they see that Takaru has saved a girl from the Ayakasi. And they realize that they can't just be nice people. They have to have some strength, like how Takaru is sewing here, um, in order to protect the people of the citizenry. And this inspires the others to re-engage the enemy and continue fighting. Uh, so at this point, the Iacasti gets big, given his second life, because the Sinkensers kicked his ass. And they use their origami to form Samurai Katai. Sinken? Oh! Um, even though Ryunosuke failed at his own Katai, where four vassal origamis are stacked together, they had that basically they had trouble. Hilarious. It was great to see them fail to make their uh Sinkin O the first time. That was that's a prop because you don't see that often with a Sentai. They they just automatically know how to do it and they shouldn't. There has to be some yeah. practice put into it. So I'm glad they had that bit of humanity here for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you handle the debut of a mech really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, episode ends... <laughs> <laughs> so episode... pretty cool looking, by the way. It is. I like it. 
So, real quick, episode ends with them kicking the monster's ass, as is expected with the new mech. And the Sin Cancers apologize to Takaru. Um, though, Tiaki is still very much against how Takaru handled the situation. And um, he he says, yeah, even a Kotaha could handle it. What you did as the Lord was not right here. And that's kind of where the episode ends. And my thoughts here are, I love these four vassals quite a bit in their own different ways. Ryu, Ryu's annoying, all right? I'm not going to say he's an amazing character, but I like his spirit at the very least. I'm not like, I don't find him grating to the point of, like, I want to scream at him. I understand why he's like that, so I don't have a personal axe to grind with him as, like, I would with other characters, like his counterpart in the American version of this. Because that guy was just awful. Um, (laughs) There is no redeeming quality of the blue counterpart. See, the reason why Rios can't work over Kevin is because Rios is mostly played as a joke. Well, yeah. Kevin has played very straight-faced, so... Yeah, like, he's, he's too boring. He's like, oh, we gotta fight! Oh, yeah, Sima. his actor is so hammy. His acting is so bad. <laughs> but I think part of why... Oh, my God. I think part of why Ryanosuke does so well here, better than Kevin at the very least, is because we see him... First, as a kabuki dancer, so we know he has life in him, and he we know he's, you know, fun, and he can be cool, mm-hmm. but he was just ingrained by his family to take this thing way more seriously than anything else, and he can it really shows here, because he's doing all this out of family duty, so a lot of that Japanese honor comes into this quite a bit. Um, and like I said, Kotoha to me has a really awesome backstory with being the uh, unchosen sister that has to take on the mantle because her actual sister that was going to be the one can't do it anymore. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. I also liked hearing more about Mako and Siaki and just what they were wanting to do with life and where they are right now. I think Siaki at this point is the best character as their episode two. Because I 100% agree with him about Takaru right now. Takaru right now to me is complete garbage. I'm sorry, Patrick. Well, I mean, at the start of the season, he is kind of meant to be interpreted that way. So, yeah. So, I don't fault I mean, thinking that. <laughs> you know, even I was saying, like, when I first watched that. the show... I was like not a, not a, not a fan of his at yeah. first. Yeah, I mean he could do a lot better. I mean he, my issue with Tucker is, I get he has this duty to uphold, and he has to you know play the part of the Lord because that's what tradition dictates. But you have to make a connection with the people you're working with. I know you have to maintain the look of lordliness to people outside your house, but dude, this is basically your family at this point. 
Like, they are here because a family obligates them to your family. There's no... There's no mm-hmm. need to add, add this extra layer here. I, it, it just... It, it seems like he's just doing it to be difficult. I don't want to say something so bad that spoilers. (laughs) 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 I am am holding myself back so hard right now. (laughs) I I don't, I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. Because, because I get what you're coming with, but some of these problems are probably going to be resolved as we go. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to enjoy hearing you uh, explain your feelings about him as we go through this. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to it. <laughs> so, by the way, Patrick, if you haven't figured it out yet, Patrick, this is the fireworks that we were alluding to in the beginning. Yeah, but I, I 100% understand it. <laughs> so, okay. okay. That's what the guys were not certain about, if you would understand it or not. Because when you said that this was the first time you've actually sat down watching Kendra through, you know, on your own, Okay, I'll, I'll 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 wait until we get to the end before we start having problems with one another. <laughs> <laughs> if we even have any by the time we get there, we'll see. We'll see because I know I know the spoiler that's going to come. Yeah, but, but you have to actually go through, through yeah. it, the journey you go it, through to get there. That's the important thing to me yeah. right now, and it makes a big difference. Trust me. So. Like, you you missed my rant to these guys, but dude, I was completely trash talking this dude in our uh, group DM in a way that I can't even discuss on here because, well, I could because I'm the owner, but I wouldn't because I also have honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going in, man. I I could not stand him. He was my favorite term to use on him right now. Is he's hot garbage. God. I love that phrase. <laughs> I mean, look, dude, he's hot garbage. He's mm-hmm. to me, he was just not a good rant at this point. He has no interest in being a team player. He has no interest in saving his team. He's only duty bound to play this role. And even the way, okay, to me as a first time viewer, I know this is probably not how it's supposed to look. But even when he was rescuing that person when they're fighting the kid, it, it felt like he wasn't doing it because it was the right thing to do. He he was doing it because, well, my duty tells me I have to do it, so I'm going to do it, but I don't really want to, you know? Like, that's the vibe I got about him, and that's that's where I'm coming from right now, is that yeah. even even the thing that saving a little girl, it didn't feel genuine from him. And that yeah. that's where my struggle is right now, is that he doesn't have the genuine care that I would expect from a red. Yeah, because he, the, the, the parallel I drew, Patrick, and you may not think this is a fair parallel to draw, but the other red I think of when I think of a hard-ass, hard-headed guy who doesn't care is Marvelous from Gokaiser. Go, Marvelous made it Marvel said quite a few times, this is not my world, why should I care? I'm only here for my treasure. But he says that, but then at the same time, he very much so 
protect the people more times than we can count. And he doesn't, he doesn't outwardly say he likes the people or the planet, but every mm-hmm. action he takes throughout those episodes of Gokaiser, everything's guided towards the greatest treasure in the universe, but also protecting the people from the Zaniac. And you can tell, even from like episode one, that he's not some prick. He's just playing the role of a prick because that's the pirate way. But here, this guy's playing the... He's trying to be showing the samurai way, but you don't get that sense of, I want to do this because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because it's duty-bound. And that's the opposite of what Marvelous is to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a fair parallel, but that's the one I'm drawing right now. Yeah, but at the same time, Marvel's character doesn't really develop much further from that, to be honest. (laughs) I say Marvel's character doesn't really develop much further beyond that, either. Oh, no, he doesn't, yeah. 100%. That's, (laughs) truth be told, I'm going to upset a lot of people, that's why I don't like Gokaiser very much. Uh, The cast does not change very much. And I mean, they do. They do things. Yeah, I but see a lot not, of growth in them. not not to the extent where, by the time you get to the end of the season, you look back at the early episodes, you're like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I mean, so I'm gonna give a quick spoiler here about something in later episodes. You know how in the beginning I said I don't like Blue at all. By the, by the time we get to episode ten, I actually like him a lot. Yeah, he, he tones down so, yeah. I, I see your point about the characters being growing yes. a lot. Yes. Lou went from complete yeah. other hot oh. to to somebody I actually respect yeah. now. I, I yeah. don't like his personality it's, still, but I respect him. Yeah. Like I said And that's important is yeah. you know, you have to be able to respect these guys at some point. hmm But from someone who's seen the series twice, um it's it's kind of hard to explain it from my perspective because I, I know what happens, but it's <laughs> it's it's mostly because trying he 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 doesn't want them to get involved. That that's all I really yeah. that's, that's all I really can say. Um, yeah, and because, he says in the first episode he doesn't want them involved because he doesn't want more people yeah. hurt. Yeah, and I get that sentiment, but. Dude, you have these people that are here. They're yeah. part of your team now. You gotta get past that initial "I don't want them here" attitude. You you gotta get yeah. past it at some point. Yeah, you it's... can't just hold on to this forever, you know. Yeah, and like I said, it's I can't really explain it without yeah, jumping ahead like that. forty episodes. So it's it's difficult <laughs> for me to explain my position here. Um, and see, hearing that with our context, that bugs me that we have to wait that long to understand it. Well, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait that long, but it's yeah. around it's around that point where everything comes together. So, right, I get that. It's just, so. The way it sounds is that he doesn't sow growth until the very end, and then you get all the growth at one time. No, 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 no. He, okay, okay, good. He, good. So there's growth he, along the way, I'm okay with that. He does, he does start to loosen up over time. And then that's when the big revelation happens, and it all... 
it all hits you at once. Like everything about him up to this point, it all just kind of clicks all at one time. Yeah. So, yeah. and it changes your perspective of the whole case. Because my first time watching through Shin Kenger, I was like you. I was like, this dude is a big dickhead to to be polite. And I was kind of like, why are you still listening to this dude? You'll you'll jump in the way to take a hit like you're supposed to because that's that's how um the actual Japanese samurai terminology for them would be their shadows or something. Yeah. You know? The Lord and the retainers is that they're meant to make sure that the Lord doesn't die. And I'm sitting here like, well, why would you protect this guy when he wouldn't he doesn't seem like he wants to even acknowledge your existence, but yeah, again, get, just give it time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we said Anthony, Act 3, an Exterminist and Skill Contest, unless Nathan or Anthony want to add anything else on. No, I have nothing to add. Yeah. Okay. Alright then, Anthony, on to you. Alrighty, so, alright, Shocky Focus episode, uh, <laughs> Funny enough, this was actually the same episode that, like, that was that from Samurai, and was actually the first episode to air on Nickelodeon. We're just like, what the crap? Like, this oh is my God. They even the first episode. Wait, they started yeah. here? Yeah. yeah, I forgot. They yes. didn't. I forgot. They didn't actually show the first two episodes until as the finale of the first half of the regular Samurai half. Dude. That's so yes. chaotic. I, I don't get why so, they did that. <laughs> so if your introduction was, was Samurai and you wanted to like, okay, let's start from the first first episode to the last, you'd be kind of confused as to like why are why they already like a team already when they haven't we haven't even established how they all met. How did they learn to morph? How did they learn to use the Zords? What the hell's going on I here? I don't know why. Anything. Yeah, why do I care? <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Recently, yeah. I recently spoke to the people at Nickelodeon that were responsible for that decision, and I asked them why they did it, and their only answer to me was, uh, "Cocaine's a hell of a drug." <laughs> you know, the sad wait, part. Wait, wait, sad part is, I don't know if you're being serious. I know he's not being serious because. As Nathan has mentioned many times in the past on this podcast, if he ever has a chance to talk to Nickelodeon, it will not be PG. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Really? So I know. I know for a fact that Nathan has not talked to anyone at Nickelodeon. He's making a joke comment because yeah. he has not told us how Nickelodeon just looked at him as he yelled right in the face. Telling them how they're all incompetent people that don't deserve to have jobs that they had, it's... and possibly cursing the ancestors in their graves for even producing this kind of trash. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. the kind of if they that to me, would you really be surprised? What if they if they actually said cocaine's a hell of a drug to me? Would you really be surprised that that was no use? No. Okay. <laughs> yes, only because. The reaction I would expect from them after you talk to them would be call security. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing when you that's the thing. When you said that I'm like, he could be being serious, I believe it. 
Right. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, uh, so anyway. No, go ahead. Uh, so, what I was about to say was that uh, this episode, uh, Chiaki's like for practice. Uh, again, Takuru and Rinosuke criticize him for being, you know, for, for not taking his training seriously. Um, there was uh, a point where, Tak- where Takuru claiming that, like, Chiaki is lacking in everything and is weakening the team. He's not, he's basically not putting, putting his weight into the team, and he's like, hey, like, you need to get your, get your stuff together, man, like, he, you're lacking in Mojikara, you're lacking in, in, in your discrepancy, like, wh- wh- what's going on, man, you know? And, uh, of course, Shaki's, like, very irritated about this. Um, so, he ditches his training uh, to go play video games and play Tekken, <laughs> of all things, uh, with his friends, and his friends just curious, was like, where have you been, man? Like, you skip out on graduation, blah, 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 and we haven't seen you in a while, and he's like, oh, like, I'm in a different school now where I have to deal with all these crazy individuals, and this one guy gets in my nerves, and, of course, the friends are like, oh, well, okay, that's, that's something, and then the monster um, of the week shows up, this is the one that can, like, use his fist to, like, stretch out and punch, and punch things, um, Shaki is already at the scene, so he immediately transforms and tries to fight the um the uh, Kido shoe monster. But he's it. But he was injured due to the monster's attack, and it got to the point where his friends end up getting in the way, and they got injured themselves. And of course, Shaki is just feeling like all kinds of like you know guilt and upset because he got his friends hurt. Um, and Tankuru and Warrenson learned that he, that he has to give up his friends to keep them from being, you know, hurt. That's why, that's why in the episode, like first episode, he told them like, you know, once you guys sit on this path, there's no going back, which means that you have to give up pretty much your, your, your normal lives just to be here because this is not fun and games. Like, this is no like walk in the park, you know, we're, we're fighting for our lives and we can't injure our family and friends because of it. And, uh, oh, so also Takuru ends up giving uh, Chiaki uh, basically like a challenge, like if you don't find a way to beat this monster and, and beat its, its abilities, hand over your shoulder phone and you're not going to be longer on Shikiju anymore. And of course, uh, that upsets Shaki, so he ends up leaving. And but surprisingly, he does end up thinking things over and basically, like you know, train by themselves. Like him and Takuru basically train in different ways to figure out how to how to beat this monster's abilities. And during the next attack, uh, Shaki does ends up um uh, no. Takuru and the other others uh, meet up with the Ghetto Shoe, but Shaki intervenes and says, hey, this is my fight. I'm going to stop him. You guys hold off against the, uh, the, the Nashi Renju for me. And so he does this really cool solo morph engine sequence, I mean, and it goes off to fight uh, the Ghetto Shoe. And uh, Takuru saves Shaki from a, from, a, from a devastating blow. And to the 
the two of them defeat down the Akashi um, in his own way. But the interesting thing that happens is that like Shaki um, lures into a trap, like getting basically getting its arms like stuck and like underneath uh, this, you know, underground and is able to like to get it get his arms tangled up to the point where he can't move his arms. And uh, so they defeat the first first form. He grows. They form Shikano. They you know use a use this. They pretty much use um the same technique that uh Takru and Shaki were both trying to learn and like catch it off guard um without actually seeing it. Um, they defeat the monster and pretty much Shaki uh, has some has some more respect for Takuru now and he vows he's gonna like do better and like train harder to you know basically uh surpass him and that's the end of the episode what did you guys think of it yeah this is basically the first filler episode I guess you could say I mean I think it uh I I think that it's pretty standard, I guess. You know, uh, you know, I'll let Patrick say more about this, uh, you know, because Patrick was... I remember Patrick actually once saying something similar to this, uh, that, you know, the rivalry between Shiaki and Takeru is just like a pretty standard Sentai thing of like one guy wants to be better than the other. I think I remember you telling me I, that once, Patrick. Uh, I was actually... I actually referred to that when I was talking about Ninja <laughs> when it first starting because i i had started picking up on every single year there was somebody that's like i'm gonna be better than you red (laughs) okay why do we need somebody like this but um i kind of like their dynamic a little bit differently than most of the other uh rivals because some of the other ones it's just because oh i'm I think I'm the best, and if you think you're the best, I'm going to prove I'm the best. But with Chaka, it's like he wants to shut Takaru up. It's more of like it's a personal thing rather than an ego thing. It's it's like a friendly, kind of uh, respectful rivalry instead of a narcissist rivalry, <laughs> if that makes any sense compared to some of these others. Um, yeah, it does. Because... Hmm. Go, Anthony. Oh, no, no, I didn't say anything. I was, I was, just, I was just saying, yeah, that's all. Yeah. So that's all I can really say about it. It's nice that he finally got an episode, though, <laughs> up to this point. But uh, what about you, Riz? <clears throat> I loved it. I thought Chiaki had some great development here as a character. Mm-hmm. And he further established why Takara is hot garbage. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I'm gonna eat these words one day, aren't I? Uh, yeah, you probably. are. But it's gonna be so. But glorious. honestly, but honestly, that's that's the magic of this season. Honestly, so it's there's a reason. He's know why it's my favorite Sentai. Just it's it's gotta get there first though. <laughs> loading, loading. <laughs> Stuck at ninety nine percent three hours. God dang it! 
<laughs> yeah. Anything else on uh, episode three, guys? No, I'm good to move on to four. I guess it's pretty. It's pretty simple. So there's really much to go I'm over. Pretty, yeah, it's a it's a pretty straightforward episode. I do like yeah. you know feel for Chucky though, because like him basically you know leaving his friends hanging because like he has no choice. He you know it's either. Stay as, stay, as a, stay as a samurai away from your friends or have your friends be in danger again like, like before. So it's like, you can't you can't win. Well, I mean, it did kind of show him why he needed to be there. Which I think was something that he was needing motivation for. So. Yeah. Because up to this point, Chake had just kind of been there because he had to be. And now he has a reason to stay. So, baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> yeah. So I'm briefly going to talk about episode four. Uh, this is going to be like really short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, it's called Nightly Tears of Sympathy. It's a filler episode. It revolves around Ryunosuke and Mako. Uh, so to basically cut a long story short... Um, Ryunosuke is feeling down because he feels secretly upset about having to give up his um, life as a Kabuki actor. He starts to become all miserable, and that results in Mako uh, being all uh, you know affectionate and loving toward him. She makes him she makes him dinner, which is the beginning of a running gag that's going to be a thing for the rest of a show of her being a terrible cook. And yet, funnily enough, even though this running gag isn't used that much in Shin, like, it's used in almost every episode in Samurai. It's used only a handful of times in Shinkinger, and yet it's, like, a hundred times funnier in Shinkinger than it is in Samurai. It's because you like, don't turn the joke into the ground. Yeah. Is it because right. the actors in Shinkinger know how to act, and the actors in Samurai are... Well, they can't. Well, because they use the jokes conservatively. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, they meet this child who uh, makes a deal with one of the with the ghetto shoe of the day to uh, mm-hmm. give up his dream of being a baseball player so that his dead grandpa can get revived, which causes uh, Ryunosuke to kind of confess himself to... Uh, how he's feeling about Mako, but then uh, because, you know, the ghetto she was a villain, he doesn't he doesn't actually hold up his end of the bargain and the kid gets hurt. Ryunosuke and Mako defeat the ghetto shoe to avenge him. Uh, Takeru shows a brief nice moment where he uses Mojikar to create a vision of his grandpa to help the, not his grandpa, the kid's grandpa to uh, get the kid to uh, feel better and like go back to his dream of being a baseball player. And while that ends in Power Ranger Samurai, the uh, the um, Shinkinger episode decides to be a little bit more cruel. Um, Ryunosuke thinks that Mako has a crush on him, so uh, he's like, hey, Mako, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she tells him that he's annoying and turns him down. And Chiaki and Kodaha is like, oh, yeah, Mako only likes to go out with men that she can fix. And you're fixed now. So, uh, yeah, she's not into you, buddy, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, like, 
hey, hey Baco, like, let's hang out sometime. Nope. She's like, nope. I'm going you now. I love... That was pretty uh, hilarious. The one thing I've I always yeah. loved about Marco this season is she she's not afraid to just tell you no. <laughs> she's very blunt. Right. <laughs> to the point of comedic value like this. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> like, you're annoying. She's like, you're annoying. <laughs> Get away from me, please. <laughs> Lol, no. Yeah, she's pretty blunt. Yep. Yeah, there, there's not much else to say about this episode. No. It's pretty standard it, filler. It's, yeah, it's, it's a filler. It's not much. Go ahead, Patrick. It's just a fun feel-good episode, mostly. It is, and I like it a lot, but there's not much development character story-wise, but I do like seeing the interactions of everyone together. It, it's great to kind of get a better idea of their dynamic. Yeah, and this and this is one thing I do like about Shin Tanger is that... Um, the filler episodes, while they don't, sometimes they won't always progress to progress the plot or progress character arcs. They do have nice character moments, which do add to everybody. And things like this, like um, Ryosuke and Mako's conversation on the bench, it doesn't really add much, but it is nice to get to know them a little bit more. It's not a completely useless episode. So Shinbenger's really good. At about doing that, by the way, of having something substantial in your filler episodes. I think so, anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's just the only thing that got me though was that, like, why, like, what made this kid think? Like, the kid kind of like kind of got my nerves just a little bit because I'm just like, kid, like. I, even I would have been like, nah, like, oh, how would I trust some some, some weird monster-looking thing? But that's just me. Though. I, I feel like I shouldn't be like, oh, Anthony, come on, he's just a kid. He didn't know any better. But it's kind of just like, I don't know. Like, maybe when I initially watched the episode, I didn't, I didn't see nothing, think nothing of it. But like watching it as an adult, you're just like, like kid, you you clearly could have known this was a trap the whole time. But what? I don't know. Am I too harsh? Am I too harsh for that? <laughs> no, I think even a kid would know not to make a deal with some lion yeah. monster-looking thing. <laughs> I'm just all time just like this kid's stupid. I'm sorry, like, and <laughs> <laughs> you jump off a freaking cliff of all things and hurt yourself. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, the only other thing I want to say is that, like, you know, the the um, the Power Rangers episode honestly feels like the way that they censor the episode. It feels very similar to how they would censor the dub when they did the Yu-Gi-Oh series. Because, like, in this episode, the kid wants his grandpa because his grandpa died. In the Power Rangers yeah. episode. The kid wants to see his dad again because his dad lives far away because he's in the army, but his dad's not dead because because remember, American audiences, yeah. death doesn't exist. <laughs> remember that. No, death, death doesn't exist. If it does, we can't actually say death. No, if death, yeah, death doesn't destroy. exist, death doesn't exist, but destroy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like in Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to send you to the Shadow Realm. Like, <laughs> totally PG. Like, hey, that was so that's that was still a cool concept. I'm not going to lie to you though. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. There's just something funny about. But as an adult, you're kind of like, oh, well, they actually did die. So yeah. Okay. You, lo- you lose yeah. a card game and then your brain just explodes. That's how Yu-Gi-Oh! actually works. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna uh, move on to episode five. Um, Yay. Kabuto Origami. Go ahead, Patrick. Wait, this one's yours. The first kind of uh, what I like to call Arsenal upgrade episodes. Yep. Where the team gets something new. Ooh, fancy new toy for you to buy. $30. Have fun. Um, <laughs> the episode starts off with... Uh, apparently they've been given a day off. We're only five episodes in. You earned a day off. Well, you must have a good union. Um, so they're discussing where they want to go. Mako wants to go to the movie. Yada, yada, yada. Kotaha comes up with the idea of going to an amusement park. And the four of them are like, yeah, sick, let's do that. Uh, they ask Taguru, Taguru if he wants to go. No, he doesn't. So he goes into his room and opens up a box with an orange disc in it. While the others are out at the amusement park, uh, Takaru is back home at the Shiba house uh, training with this orange uh, Kabuto disc. Uh, apparently it was a hand down from his ancestors, there's many uh, secret discs that uh, they had, but this was the only one they had. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit in the plot here. When the ne- when the monster shows up while they're out at the amusement park, uh, they engage in combat with him, and they can't hit him because... <sighs> is he, like, phasing, or is he boogieing around their swords? I can't really tell. It's, it's animated weird. But they can't hit him, to put it lightly. And so they get gunned down, because this guy has a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah, ancient uh, demon fish machine gunner, only in Sentai. So when Tagru shows up, he also can't hit him. So he whips out the Rekodizanto and hesitates on using the disc, because the disc, apparently when put on the Rekodizanto, gives him a new uh, enhanced weapon. But he hesitates, and the monster gets away. When they get back to the house, uh, they go over the whole... There's a handful of... um, secret discs that the Sheba clan had, but all of them except for the Kabuto disc were lost. And Takaru is trying to uh, build up enough strength to use it because it use it needs a lot of emoji cholera to use properly. So while the others are sleeping, he spends practically all night uh, praying it and Injuring himself almost because every time he uh, tries to trigger the new uh, upgrade, it blows up in his face literally. Uh, and uh, nice little tick here. This is one of the few nighttime scenes we get in this season. I wish I would do more nighttime shots, they're usually pretty cool looking. So the morning comes, and the, uh, the other four Shinkenjus encounter the monster of the week again. and Again, they still can't hit him. Uh, G heads out to the choreo where Tucker was practicing the night before, and he is... Uh, Yamshud? 
in the on the ground, pretty badly damaged. Um, so G manages to get him up and gets him to head into uh, the fight with the others, where he, I guess, the fruits of his little train paid off, and he manages to transform his uh, Rekodizatu into. Uh, keep forgetting the exact name of this form. I know it has a, a, a name, but it's the the big rail cannon that it has, where they are able to load all of their discs and they finish him off that way. Um, and the 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 mecha fight in this episode actually has some importance because it introduces the Kabuto origami, which gives uh, Shinkano a new form. Uh, gives his it's a new helmet, and it allows him to shoot fire. Oh. Always nifty. Um, and when they head back to the mansion, Shak Takaru falls over and passes out because he had been working himself to the bone for the last day and a half or so. Um, it's, it's a pretty straightforward episode, honestly. It doesn't really delve into Takaru's character as much as it probably should. It mostly just shows his kind of stubborn resolve to enhance himself and the team and shows that it, it does show a little bit of signs of him caring about the team because when they get concerned of him getting gunned down before he whips out the new uh the new weapon he kind of uses their encouragement as motivation to just get it done so simple episode but it's it's the first time we've really had time to see Tagaru uh I guess, work on himself and how he goes about training in his own time. So, what do you guys have to add to this? Oh, my opinion is going to be so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me hear it. I just want to uh, say one thing before Riz goes into the depth of this episode. Uh, I don't really have much. I think Patrick, uh, I think Patrick pretty much summed up the things that's good. Um, I like uh, I like how the uh, auxiliary um, mechs work in this season because you know I'm you know but prior to like um, for the most part auxiliary mechs were usually uh, especially in the early seasons uh, it started mostly with uh, Gal Ranger where the auxiliary mechs were usually just uh, arm attachments like they did it in Gal Ranger and it was in uh, Abba Ranger and Bokinger too yeah. Um, I like how the auxiliary mechs are much bigger and instead of them becoming arm attachments, instead they like split up into multiple components and kind of become um, like armor for the Megazord. Like they did that in a, they did it in a Geki Ranger first. Um, yeah. I, and I like that. I like what they did in Geki Ranger and I think they do a pretty good here too. Um, so I, I really like how the auxiliary mechs work with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to touch upon that really quick because what I'm a, what I've just said is about to be drowned out completely about over what Rizwan is probably going to say. So <laughs> hey now, hey now, it's not going to be hear that it. bad. <clears throat> Anthony, you want to add anything before I go on my rant? Uh, just the fact that like this episode was actually um like a really decent episode. Um, and to answer a question, Patrick, I think what happened was that like. This monster base can like be tangible when it comes to fit like physical like um attacks like 
For yeah. instance, if you take it with it's a just, sword or your fist, it's going to phase right through it. Yeah. You have it's to hit it the, with like a very energy-based yeah. attack. Yeah, I, work. I, I guess. It's just that the visual effect that they used on him, it made it look like he just kind of boogied out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't hit me, I jive too hard. <laughs> yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah, okay. Riz, you're up to right, bat. Let, let me hear it. Okay. I honestly <laughs> hated this episode quite a bit. Um, so, from my perspective, this right here was the perfect time for Takaru to kind of... He didn't have to break out of his cell to become a nice, kind, benevolent leader to the Sinkensers. But clearly he had a slight interest in the amusement park. Yes. Like you could you could you could tell I he wanted to go. I love that and, scene of uh, he just teasing him about it in the flashback yeah. segment of him. Oh, G and him are fantastic to get together. Oh yeah. Their dynamic um, is amazing. <laughs> so in the positive column, I will say G and Takaru together, fantastic. I love the relationship. I love their chemistry. I love their dynamics. Yeah. A plus, well done, good job. Mm-hmm. But with that said, Takaru with the Sin Cancers continues to be hot trash. This is a golden opportunity for Takaru to do two things. And in both cases, he chose the wrong choice, in my opinion. <clears throat> the first thing he could have done better is try and acknowledge, okay, once again, here's an opportunity for me to get to know the people I'm a lord over so I can better understand them and at least, you know, pretend to form a bond with them and pretend like I like them, even if maybe I don't like them. Because at this point, I don't know if he actually likes them because he actually likes them, or does he like them because they're useful to him because of his, like, you know, lordliness, or... It's hard to tell what he feels with his people. I, I think that one scene very briefly when he was reaching for the Kabuto disc to put on the sword, when they called out for him when he was about to get shot, and it kind of like gave him the confidence to do it, that was meant to be a subtle nod that he cares about I mean, that, that it's, they, it's that they do support him. I mean, subtlety works. You just gotta catch well, it. Well, I, okay, so like... It wasn't fine. much, I agree, but... Well, okay, so it's not even that. To me, it felt like the Sinkensers support him. That's a given. We know yeah. that 100%. Even Siaki will support him at this stage in the game. But he doesn't reach out an olive branch of any kind to them. He, you know, he may feel a sense of yeah, my team's behind me and I'm going to do this thing that's really scary and different now, but he doesn't sow anything beyond one look. And that bugged me quite a bit, that he didn't go to the amazing park, he preferred to solve the problem on his own, like as if he's the only one in the world that could have done this. He didn't need a team to help him figure it out. And he honestly, to me, felt like he was written like a Mary Sue character here because he doesn't show any death 
of connection with anyone except for G, and that's only because he's known G for what I imagine his entire life. Mm-hmm. So of course he's going to have a decent relationship with that guy, but far be it for him to have any remote need to connect with anyone else and be like, hey, so I have this disc. I'm trying to use it, but I can't do it alone. Let's let's at least let me at least tell you I'm doing this. He didn't even tell them. He just kind of went off and did it on his own and it came back and was like, by the way, I have this thing now. <laughs> and it just shows that he either he doesn't care or he cares too much about them being involved. He's trying to minimize them and doing it all on his own. And if he is doing the latter, dude, grow the fuck up. You're a damn... You're the leader. You're the one who has to like put put this team together. I know I cursed on air, but he whatever. so mad he ended, he, he, he yeah. censored himself. <laughs> like, literally, this is his golden opportunity to do something. But... Instead, he try, he puts it all on himself, he acts like a Marisu, and he acts super OP with no bound. And that bugs me. Bugs me so much. <laughs> like, he has no upper I bound. I think this episode way different than you do. Well, it's because we have the perspective of hindsight, Anthony. This this episode, you, you read the, you watch this episode differently when you know the end game stuff, okay? Yeah. That's yeah. that that's that's the that's why you and I are probably sitting here like honestly something <laughs> But yeah, even even when I first watched the episode, like when it first aired, I didn't feel like oh he's being a uh, 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 no I mean, even even speaking hindsight involved I do feel like that they didn't do enough at this episode because this is technically his first focused episode of the series outside of the intro, of course, but the intro is everybody focused. And they didn't really capitalize on it as much as they probably could have. Yeah. Like, in, in hindsight, this episode is a little bit better, but on first time watch through, I feel like they could have done a little bit more to kind of at what was going on here, but because they, they didn't it, like, I, really. Yeah, because like I get what you're saying. I hundred percent get like yeah. he had that look and he felt the support from them. I get yeah. all that. Yeah, but it's so marginalized compared to what yeah. they could have done that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel worth it. It feels like yeah, it feels the opposite to me. It feels like oh well, they're just trying to demonstrate. This dude can take a new tech and master it on his own and has no need to even collaborate even a little bit with his so-called teammates. Like, he literally is, at this point, a Mary Sue to me. And yeah, from, he shouldn't be. From, from the perspective of seeing it for the first time, I can, I can understand why you would say this. Yeah. yeah. Because they haven't really established Takaru's character arc yet for some reason. <laughs> um 
but yeah, even even I think that they could have done a little bit more with this one. But yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> one day, one day, my son. Yeah. But until then, I will rest my case here and continue to say, Taku is hot garbage. <laughs> he means that because he's the fire shin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, flaming. <laughs> you get the next episode, uh, Act 6, The Abusive King. Ah, uh, yes, The Abusive King. So, <laughs> this will you be had, a. You genuinely, that, a, you genuinely had a joke opportunity with a title of this episode and you didn't take it. I'm disappointed with you. The, the abuse of King, just like Takaru. I mean, <laughs> I, thought I, thought you were gonna... <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> oh, see, see, me and Riz understand each other like this, okay? <laughs> we had the same joke in mind. <laughs> but see, I had tact. He had, he had I so much wanna... <laughs> I didn't want to beat the dead horse over why Takaru is hot garbage. I know, he's just but... hot garbage, it, it, you know. Oh, but... I'm still disappointed that you didn't actually pull the trigger because I was like, the opportunity is right there. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was so close. You could tell in my voice I was about to do it, right? Like I was. Yes, I could. Close. <laughs> I could hear it on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> but I held back. <laughs> I didn't want to pull the trigger because I didn't want to start another round of ranting. So, like I was saying before Patrick pointed out the joke I was wanting to make, this is a Kotaha-centric episode. Um, the episode begins with Chiaki and Kotaha sparring, and Z and Takuru discussing that Chiaki is very much so outpaced by uh, Kotaha. Which is a great annoyance to him because, well, he should be better than this, but he's not. And Kotoha just makes a mess of everything because, well, okay, so Tsiaki gets the injury and he's trying to recover from it. And Kotoha starts to feel bad and insults herself and keeps blaming herself for everything that happens. And we learn really quickly that Kotaha must be protected at all costs because she is pure and innocent and we don't deserve her. Um, I, I actually yeah. love... I, I love her character a lot, by the way. Yeah, so do I. Um, yeah, every, everybody who wanted to sign up for the Kotaha Protection Squad said, I. I. Everyone signing up for the Takara Protection Squad? You're exactly. That ship alone, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> KP Cape the KPS. <laughs> yeah, KPS. KPS. Right. Hot protection school. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag on every video review, review video of this series. <laughs> Hashtag all <of> that. <laughs> so Kot Kotaha's in this like self-deprecating mode of just feeling bad for herself and calling herself stupid and that makes 
Chiaki very angry because he's like, dude, you're not this idiot little girl. You're actually pretty damn good at what you're doing. Stop it. And she doesn't. So they have another Zedoso attack. And the Sin Cancers this time are faced with a Zedosu that will make humans despair by the Zedosu insulting them with their biggest insecurities. And when they get hit with that insecurity, they go flying back. Uh, in the battle, notably, the Zedosu calls Takuru a liar, which this line will have a much greater role in the episode 40 range of this season, I think. If I'm guessing correctly what's happening here. Um, Kotaha, however, when it comes to her insult, is completely 100% unaffected by the trick and doesn't even blink or flinch. And she reveals, yeah, dude, you can't, you can't insult me or make me feel my biggest insecurities. I do a really good job of doing it on my own. I don't need you doing it, too. You're, you're not doing a good job on insulting me because I do a much better job. And that right uh-huh. there broke my heart for her. Because she's so pure and innocent, and we really don't deserve her. No. Um, no, we don't. KPS squad for life right here. All right, like, <laughs> We need t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> we need a, a THC shirt as well. Oh, Lord. Yes? Why do I keep walking into that? Dang it. Do I need to put a post-it <laughs> note on your monitor saying don't say that word? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put that every time we do a review from now on. <laughs> What's wrong with me? The funny part is, Patrick... You played yourself. <laughs> the funniest part is, this isn't the first episode where we do this with Nathan. I've done yeah. this before. And he never learns. Oh. It is fantastic. <laughs> Fully once, shame on you. Fully twice, shame on you again. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me three times, and God, you're just stupid. Exactly. Fool me three times, just stop. Please, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so... Afterwards, Tsuyaki tails off Kotaha for calling herself brainless and stupid and in unvaluable and just insulting her and whatever else. He he can't stand it. And Kotaha runs off insane, and we go to a flashback. And the flashback will add further fuel to the KPS here, because it's revealed that Kotaha was always bullied and put down by other people, but her greatest comfort come from her sister when she played a flute to cheer her up before she became sick with whatever ailments she has. And this gave Kotaha the courage to be strong for her sister enough to go become a samurai. And this is the full reason why she does what she does because she doesn't want her sister to feel the pain of being a samurai when she's that ill and she wants her to be happy and good to go. So she, she became the sink because of that. 
Um, later on, Chiaki finds her and apologizes for lasting out, saying, hey, look, I also have insecurities um, because I lost to you, and I'm trying to beat Kotaku because he's hot garbage and doesn't deserve to be red, and I can't do it because he's really good hot garbage at fighting. <laughs> um, Kotaha gives in support, saying that he'll get stronger one day and to overtake the hot garbage that is Takaru. I'm going to overplay this, by the way, a little bit. Um, so in the next fight with the Zedusu uh, Kotaha is attacked again and briefly kind of feels the twins of oof you're just a fill in for your sister you're not a real Sinkenzer but she's able to de- defeat him by plugging his mouth with rocks before the Sinkenzers use the, the new bazooka they have to defeat him. Um, and then they defeat his second life with the Kabuto Sinken O. And as the episode ends, Kotoha collapses from the exhaustion of doing all that because she had to resist the damage of the monster, and everyone's kind of complimenting her, except for Takaru. But how strong she is. And Takaru is kind of there being hot garbage. Because, again, he can't connect to anyone. Um, and Mako kind of asks him on the side, like, so why did they call you a liar when you were fighting earlier? And he just kind of waves it away like it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Spoilers, it's a big deal. I just don't know how yet. But for right now, it means he's hot garbage. Um, and that's where the episode ends. Any thoughts from y'all? So I have some stuff to say about this, but I want to. Sorry about that, Anthony. No, no, you're good. Uh, what I was about to say was that like I really felt bad for uh, Kotan uh, in this episode. Like, like that girl's been through a lot. Like Dude. a lot. The KPS must be founded. I need t-shirts like, and badges. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost like it, like she basically was told like her whole life that she just is not a good person. Like I'm like she was like she's worthless and she's this that, and the other. I'm like wow, like yeah, like why would you say that to this this poor innocent girl? Innocent girl? Like dude, it's that's brutal. That's not cool. That's also like, you know, heartbreaking because like she had to take over her sister. Like, imagine you're like, you know, a preteen and you're basically like taking over your sister's spot and just saving the world because she got sick, you know? That's can't be easy. There is some stuff I want to I want to say about this, but I actually, um, at the end of this review, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, just going over the characters in general, uh, I don't want to spoil anything I'm going to be saying about Kotoha at the end. It's all good stuff, by the way. But, uh, yeah, this episode does kind of hit a little, not now, but it hit very close to home in a very different way at the time when I watched this, which was around the time when it was airing. Um, I have a lot to say about it, but I don't want to spoil what I'm going to be saying at the end of this review. So, uh, I, I like the episode, and it, uh, 
it yeah and Koto Ha is awesome um but yeah I want to I really want to hold back a lot of what I have to say about this episode until the end when I speak when I yeah. talk about Koto Ha so I'm going to withhold on what I want to say Yep Go ahead Patrick Yeah it's it, they they really 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 wanted you to like her the most out of these out of these five in the early episodes didn't they because you can't I mean especially seeing how the who the target demographic or the people who usually flock to uh, IPs like Super Sentai and stuff the history they usually have this episode is uncomfortably relatable. Because because being being on the back end of bullying really does fill yourself comp- confidence for a long time, and yeah, um, it's, it's nice for us to see her kind of step up, you know, get some confidence under her under herself like this after being on unfairly knocked over again. But, I mean, she she's the the one you cheer for. No matter what she does, she's not wrong. <laughs> you can't change my mind on this. <laughs> so yeah, it's you, it, it's it's straightforward, huh? Oh no, nothing. Uh, did Riz want to add anything or? Uh... No, I'm good. Okay. Well, then I'm going to be taking up the, uh, the next episode, episode seven. Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode seven, uh, Marlin Fishing. Uh, this is another uh, Arsenal upgrade episode. Um, it's Ryunosuke-centric. Um, so uh, in this episode, uh, the Shinkingers find out that one of their uh, origami, one of the origamis that belong to Bashiba family um what that was lost in battle is actually wandering the seas and it's recently been found in a nearby beach um it's the kajiki origami which is a like a light blue like cyan colored swordfish um ryunosuke gets sent out to find the kajiki origami um while the other Shinkingers have to fight this ghetto shoe that's poisoning people with his toxic breath. Um, while, Rino, while, uh, while Ryu is trying to uh, catch the origami, he runs into this fisherman. And, uh, while, and when he briefly gets knocked out and he's talking with the fisherman, um, he speaks with him a little bit. And, you know, the fisherman reveals that he had a friend that died while he was being, while he was, um, I'm part while well, he as a samurai, and um, he starts to question Ryunosuke uh, why he um, fights as a samurai, and when Ryunosuke is just uh, doubling down on this whole idea that he needs to fight as a samurai, uh, the fisherman says rather angrily, actually, um, that. And this is a really big deal, and I'm going to go into a lot of detail with this um, at, when I'm done recapping this whole thing. But he brings up the fact that this samurai lifestyle has basically been forced onto the Shinkingers 
by their parents, which is true for the record. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later um, in a second. Um, Ryunosuke starts to question since, you know, this is bringing his whole uh, life into uh, life view into question. But then when, uh, you know, Takeru gets poisoned by the, mo- by the ghetto shoe and they, uh, and, you know, voices his confidence in Ryu, Ryu dis- um, insists that he doesn't fight because he was forced to, but because he has faith in Takeru and he wants to, and he's making his decision, and then he's able to catch the Kajiki origami um, and connect it to a new secret disc, and they use the origami's healing power to heal the people who were poisoned. Um, and, uh, and for the record, uh, when they're battling the Ghetto Shoe, uh, we see this mysterious figure who is like this white and red skeletal-looking person um, watching the battle. We don't know his name. Um, and we see him at the end of the episode briefly as he walks off. Uh, we're going to learn more about that, about this character in the next episode. Spoiler alert. Um, they defeat the uh, Ghetto Shoe with uh, the Gajiki Origami, which can combine with uh, Shinkano to uh, form Kajiki Shinkano. Much like the Kabuto, it becomes a helmet. And, um, and uh, although this one is actually kind of silly because uh, it allows Shinkano to like put its katana on its head and swing it around, which, yeah, that's really silly. <laughs> Not going to lie. That's probably the one mecha formation I don't like in Shinkinger. But uh, when the episode ends, uh, we actually find out that the fisherman that Ryunosuke met was actually one of the uh, Kuroki. And uh, I need to explain this briefly. Um, so the Shinkingers have a group of people. They're like, you know, servants, um, like a big support group of people who, you know, help the Shinkingers. You know, they cook, you know, they cook their food at the... Um, at the Sheba house, and uh, every time the Shinkinger show up to battle, uh, they bang on these drums and, like, raise these banners to, like, announce the Shinkinger's appearance. They're called the Kuroki. Um, he, he turns out to be one of the Kuroki, and he abandoned um, his duty um, when the previous Shinkin Red died, but then he returns with G's uh, approval um, since he feels that the current Shinkingers are good samurai. Um, so yeah, that's how this episode ends. Um, and, uh, just to break the ice, um, this might be one of my top 10 favorite episodes in the whole show because this episode perfectly shines a light on one of the problems with the Shinkinger's life and they do it with the absolute perfect character because yes, these Shinkingers, and, and if you want more detail on it, watch Linkara's review on Samurai, because he goes on, like, a huge rant about this. It's true, and, and sure, that was for Power Rangers, but it, it's pretty much the same, uh, the same difference, and uh, same principle applies here in Shinkinger. Yes, these people were kind of forced into the life of a Samurai. They've been pretty much had this lifestyle shoved down their throats since they were kids. 
we literally set, we literally see Koto Han the previous episode being told that she's that she now has to fill in for her sister when she's like what maybe like five or six years old I don't know and it that's messed up it really is and I think what makes it perfect is that they do it with Ryunosuke because as we pointed out. Ryunosuke is the one that takes it the most seriously. Like, he eats and sleeps this samurai lifestyle. Like, you would think that he loves it. But here he is being told that he's kind of been... He's had this whole lifestyle forced down his throat. And, yeah, that's messed up. And that's why I, I still love this episode today. I think it perfectly shines a light on just how... On just, like... The, the legitimate problems with Shinkinger, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's... It's a... It's a thing that, like... I guess it's like a jab at, um... Tradition in modern day. Sometimes traditions become archaic. Because back then, when the Shinkinger supposedly started, uh, <clears throat> civilization was very simple, I guess is the way to put it. Where there really wasn't yeah. much to do than, like, farming. <laughs> but now society has hundreds and hundreds of different paths you can take, and still having to abide by this dedicating your life to the cause thing, it is very intrusive, and kind of um unnecessary I guess the idea of them being forced to live at the sheep house is asking a bit much of these guys given modern society and it's because I've seen I've seen this kind of complaint used with like real life stuff just traditions that started centuries ago still being upheld now and they don't really work in the modern times, but they still do it anyway for the sake of tradition. So it's it's a it's a nice little like kind of how do I put this meta jab at some real life um cultural traditions. So it's 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 an interesting episode in that regard. Uh, Riz, Anthony, do you want to add anything? You go ahead first, Riz. There's the mute button. Alright, so... Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the... This is the point where I will say... Ryunosuke has gone from being an insufferable, annoying character... To <clears throat> being somebody I can respect. Mind you, I still don't like his... Um, overt feelings of oh my god the lord and oh my god my duty but I definitely emphasize him a lot right now in this episode so I am really enjoying the character development here he's turning into a half decent character and I'm hoping it'll continue becoming a great character which is you know uh, something I'm hoping to see in all the characters going forward mm -hmm. um but I gotta say, I'm loving the format of the episode so far. 
because we're getting a lot of character development out of most characters and the development's been organic. It's not forced. It's not um, bad pacing. Yeah. And we're picking up little things here and there that really kind of help seal the deal on who these people are that we're watching. Yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about, what, like two or so episodes ago with the Rios K. Mako episode that we said really didn't have a purpose. Every yeah. filler episode tends to have something to take away from it. And you're, you're starting that's to catch on that. <laughs> well, no, I knew this from, you know, watching the first 10 episodes that, you know, yeah. at a certain point, yeah. he'd, be, um, he'd be great. I just had to play <clears throat> the part of what I thought of the different parts earlier on <clears throat> to give the perspective. Um, because, yeah, when Ryanosuke first came out, I was like, God, this guy, can he stop? Can we <laughs> not have him? Because this is Samurai again. I can't handle this. I, why am I watching this? I almost wanted to quit <laughs> on, like, episode two. I was like, this is too much bullshit for me. <laughs> between Taker and between this guy, I was like, dude, this is... I don't know why Oda's saying this is the best yeah, Samurai yeah. ever. I don't see it. Yeah, well, yeah, trust me. Re- King never gets as bad as he does when he's under the fountain begging to be forgiven <laughs> that we got at the end of, what was that, that episode 2? That was that, fantastic. He never gets that extreme ever again. <laughs> so. Good. Good. That was, that was fantastic cringeworthiness right there. Oh, it was, it was comical, but yeah, he never gets that bad yeah. again. Yeah. But no, I'm glad it's turning around because at this point, it's around this point, I think, when I was watching that I went from I'm only watching this because Nate and Anthony told me to watch it to, okay, I'm starting to kind of like what's going on here. I can I can go mm-hmm. on with this now. Because I'll be honest, guys, at, up until like this point, I really was like, I don't understand you guys. Why, why is it so great? Why do why y'all... <laughs> Why do y'all like this? This is hard. This is hard garbage. But you know, it's at this point where I can say, okay, it's not hot garbage, but Takaru is hot garbage. There's a difference, and I'm. That's where I'm at right now on Demeter. <laughs> so. <clears throat> What about you, Anthony? You got anything to add? Uh, well, for me, I definitely like this yeah. episode too. It's one of my favorites. Um, good development for Ryunosuke, a good development for the fisherman who was the Kuroko. Um, and I, and <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to y'all, the monster, monster of the day was very like interesting to me because like. <laughs> He was a very slow moving, slow talking monster. So like when the she could just try to fight it, fight fight him, he's very like unpredictably slow. So like they're expecting to fight somebody who's gonna be fast and like he's just dodging them because he's not because they don't expect somebody like him. Mm-hmm. So overall I like the episode. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a top 10 episode for me just because it addresses a really major issue with uh, mm-hmm. not, not with Shin Kinder of a series, more like the lifestyle of the Shin Kinders. So, yeah. 
That's why you don't see samurai clans in real life anymore, because it's archaic. <laughs> Just imagine if real life Japan had that kind of thing still going on. <laughs> the only other thing I'm going to say is that a Power Ranger samurai botched this episode, because, like, Kevin just meets a fisherman that just absolutely does nothing. Like, Ugh. God, that was terrible. Wait, are you serious? Wait, what? Wait, are you what? serious? How does this episode go in Tower Rangers? He just meets a Shinke... He just meets a, uh, a fisherman that just asks him why he does it and then just tells him just to quit. And you don't even know, like... And he has no connection, because remember, there's no Kuroki in Samurai, so, like, it's just really clumsy. Yeah, that sums up Samurai in a nutshell. We tried to make this a one-to-one -one adaptation, but we didn't want to keep a lot of the Japanese uh, culture stuff in it, yeah. which leaves a lot of stuff out because this season is heavily rooted in ancient Japanese culture. So there's kanji symbols on the helmets for crying out loud. Yeah, but we never. Do actually... you know what <laughs> what the sad part about like the like the samurai portion of they could have they could have easily fixed it by just having one particular character added to that episode, and we all know who I'm talking about, but. I feel like it'd be kind of like a... Well, I mean, everyone pretty much I've already seen Samurai, but like... I... How do I say that? I'll just say his name, but, if I, but I won't say who he is. I'll just say his name. Antonio. That is all. That could have been an interesting change in Samurai. Because it would have made sense. Yeah. You would have known who he was earlier on instead of just like, oh, well, this just... Hmm, I wonder who he is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. at, least, at least when I watched Shikinger, I, I mean, when I watched Shikinger, I knew who, who the character was when he eventually shows up. But, like, I felt like that would have been a good, like, oh, snap, I remember that guy from the, from the couple episodes ago helping, uh, what's his name? That would have been perfect, but nah, they were just yeah. like, we'll just hire some random white dude just to do it, like, okay. Yeah, hiring some random white dude, that sums up Samurai's casting choice in a nutshell. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I barely remember half the people's names in Samurai. In fact, until... Okay. I have, I'm surprised until? you don't, because they say their names in, 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 in the intro every freaking time. Uh, you reminded me of that. I'm getting PTSD. Okay, <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Patrick, do you remember back when you were making those stupid memes of Megaforce? Oh, the let it go edit or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the edit you made me do of the Legendary War? Um. Faintly? I I need to okay. see the picture again. <laughs> it wasn't a photo. It was a video clip. So okay. it was the Megaforce Rangers in the beginning saying, Troy. Yeah, their names. Yeah. 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 And then 
at the end, we have uh, Leo say, nice names. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, I remember that. Remember that. <laughs> yes. I do remember that was now. a I made. <laughs> we had some interesting Good edits Good back time. then, didn't we? We were, we were wild, man. Yeah. Uh, no, like, boy. me and Patrick spent hours on calls after our videos were done. Just making these eldritch abominations of edits <laughs> for the videos. <laughs> and I don't even know why I did them. They're just funny. Because Meta Force couldn't have been taken seriously, so we didn't take it seriously. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Mega Force sucks, by the way. <laughs> PSA. <laughs> yeah. Nice names. <laughs> uh, I I love making that clip, man. That was a great highlight for me. Oh, I found a clip, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, put it in the chat. I'll look at oh it afterward. Oh my god. <laughs> we have 1.1 thousand views on this thing. What is Success wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we have an audience. Why do we have an audience? Right. <laughs> who, who, who authorized this? Who watches our crap? You guys did. <laughs> yeah, I should be arrested for that. <laughs> Patrick, we've committed too many war crimes. <laughs> god damn, I knew that was going to happen eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right. I posted the link in our uh, Discord, so if anyone wants to go see it, join our Discord and check it out. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> okay. So, which one we get the next episode? Um, the brides are spirited away. God dang it, uh, I'm taking my phone uh, there every time. Wait, so the, intro the introduction of one of my favorite characters in the series, too. Yeah. Okay. So, because I want to say it, this is Act 8, The Brides Are Spirited Away, which has no relevance to the animated movie Spirited Away from uh, Hao Miyazaki. Just that would it out if, right here. Would funny if it did, though. It would be, but it doesn't. <laughs> okay, so we have another completely filler episode. Um, but we get the... This is mainly a Mako-centric episode, and we get the debut of Zuzo uh, Fuwa. So, the episode opens with Z and the Sinkinsers trying to set up a fake wedding for Takaru and Mako. And dude, when I saw that opening scene, me being the big Takaru hater I am right now was like, God, Mako... What life choices have you made between this episode and the last one to make you even consider this? Because, god dang, you can do way better than him. Way better. But luckily, it turns out they're not actually getting married. They're trying to bait a Zedusu into coming to their wedding because lately, the Zedusu have been kidnapping brides at the weddings to make the grooms feel sad and despair, and also make the brides feel 
scared and despair because they're captured by these weird looking monsters and stuff. But the uh, the plan fails because the Jadusu go to a different wedding and not the wedding that they created for them to go to. God, don't you love when a plan gets spoiled? I, I hate it, man. But it is what it is. Takaru's planning is just crap. So, carrying on. Yes, I blame Takaru because he is the leader here. Also, that was a low blow. I'm sorry, Takaru, for that one. Um, so it turns out when we sift over to the, uh, to the river that they can use the tears of the brides to create a Uchikake, which is a special wedding kimono for, uh, Dayu. And while going over the plan, Sitari mentions a stray Zedusu and the stray is a mysterious figure from the previous episode who talks about his desire um, to find somebody worthy of fighting him which I believe in what was his name in English? I forget. It's Zenaku? Zenzaku? Who's? The one who wants to fight like his worthy opponent or whatever. A uh, Decker. Oh, Decker. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Play Deck by Ruko. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I got that from. Anyway. Uh, wait, was Zanaku from Wild Force? Yes. Okay. So I used the Wild Force <laughs> thing because I was thinking of Cole, <laughs> who is also Decker here. Yeah, okay. My yeah. brain's a weird place when you unwrap it all. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> but there's 28 seasons of Power Rangers and I can't keep it all straight anymore. Okay. So, uh, he feels that someone on the Sink Cancer team might be the one that's worthy to fight him. Um, meanwhile, the Sink Cancers once again create another fake wedding because, you know, why not try it a second time to do the same thing? Except this time, Mako is actually captured because they do come to her wedding. Because we find out in the prelude to this that um, all the other weddings were kind of canceled because they heard about what's going on. They're like, no, we're okay. We don't need to get married today. It's fine. We'll wait. Y'all y'all take care of the monster. And so literally, this is the only wedding I think that even happened that day. So, of course, they go after Mako, not really realizing they're walking into a trap. Um, but it turns out Dayu suspected the Stinkhangers might actually do this, and they still captured a real bride who had been hidden away in a back room, and Mako was recognized uh, by them. So, whenever they get Mako to the cave... And they revealed that the real bride's already there. Uh, they forced Mako to lure the other Sinkhangers into hiding, out of to the fake hiding place, uh, where they had the warehouse rigged with bombs. But it it's also further revealed that they big-brained here, and Mako was a decoy, and Rio was actually posing as the real bride. 
Which I have questions about how they did not notice that the bride was that but ugly at the point. Cause really? Really? Um I foresaw so, your counterattack and counterattack my own counterattack. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a very convoluted move they made here. It was it took me a few minutes to trace out what actually happened, to be quite honest. Um I might have been also watching this at like three o'clock in the morning at that point. <laughs> that wouldn't that would help make things a little bit more complicated. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I, I started watching this like the Friday before our original date for reviewing this. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I just kept going because I couldn't stop because I was getting more and more interested in the characters, not named mm-hmm. Takaru. Um so Ryu, Ryu posing as the bride allowed the others to find them, and they were able to create the sinkins or doubles to go to the fake location, and they used the doubles to free everyone, and then they battle Dayu, um, but during the battle, the mysterious figure, uh, Juzo, comes out, saves the Dayu before the sinkins can finish her, and Juzo tells Takuda that his sword seems to be calling to him. And before the sink answers can face, Zuzo summons a giant Nana Nanasi to distract them. And the sink have to go fight them using Kabuto and Kajiki Sinken O. And the episode ends with Mako feeling kind of concerned that she already wore a wedding dress twice, and therefore her luck to find a suitable life partner has gone out the window and she can't live that dream anymore. And that makes her sad, which I feel bad for her. And she must also be protected. Um, <laughs> but Kotaha tells her it'll be fine. These weren't real weddings, so you'll be okay. And Takaru is wondering who was this Zuzo guy and what was he doing and all, like, what the hell is he up to here? Um... And then they all go get cake. And episode. (laughs) So I'll go real quick here. I enjoyed the filler here. Um, I emphasized Mako for how she feels about the marriage thing, because that's rough to be like constantly reminded in this episode of what she can't have and what she (laughs) gave up to be there. And that's a big deal, you know, for her to be made that vulnerable to do it. Um, I also just like the comedy of the entire, haha. Well, this is my real plan, and they're like, haha. Well, this is our real plan, and they're just like, haha. We've outmaneuvered you once again. It was a nice little back and forth thing. But uh, any thoughts from y'all? Yeah. Um. The one thing that these first 10 episodes do a pretty good job of is going over what each of them was hoping for that they kind of have to put on pause because of being forced into this. And Mako's, she's probably the most simple of all of them because she just wants to be a housewife. And uh, superstition is superstition. Some people take it seriously, some people don't, but she seemed to take it really seriously and 
this this whole being able to put on a wedding dress thing is actually has a pretty big impact on her. Um, but there's really not much more to it. It's it's, it's this episode is mostly comedy based, like what you were saying with the whole switcheroo switcheroo stuff. But yeah, um, it's nice to get a little bit more insight as inside into Mako now. Nathan, Anthony? Yeah, I don't have much to say. It's uh, it's pretty solid Mako episode. I'd probably say that uh, this, uh, as far as if we want to look at it from like a character perspective, this one might actually be one of the weaker ones because like with the, with the other episodes we've pretty well established who the Shinkinders are and given more on their backstory uh this probably could have been a better opportunity for us to look more into like Mako's past and everything but I mean it gets the job done and you know Juzo Fuwa was pretty cool in his debut so I can't really complain that much mm-hmm. yeah um, to me, I don't think this is, this really counts as filler. To be honest with you, this I don't know. Like, but it feels like it was it was it feels like it was needed for this story so that Takuru could encounter uh, Juzo for the first time, and we're like, okay, this like he sees something in him, and he's like, okay, well, I kind of want to fight you, so like you know, we'll have a, a match someday, but I, I need to see more of you to see if you're worthy to fight me. But uh, overall, I did like the fact that like they outsmarted Dayu and they're thinking that, oh, well, I knew you were she can pick all along and I'm going to get you guys to set a trap so you can kill all your friends and all that. Like, and it was like, nah, we got all that. We, we thought of that. We thought ahead, so... <laughs> Jokes on you! I'm a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go to. That's the whole movie. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I'm not caring to lie here yet, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we got two more episodes. Uh, Act 9, yep. The Tiger's Rebellion. Yes. We're going to... The floor is yours, Patrick. Yes. Uh, another uh, introduction of another mecha in this episode. So it starts off... Back at the Shiba house, Takuru and Ryosuke are sparring against one another. And everybody else, including G, kind of recognizes that via technique, Ryosuke might actually be better at the, swordsman's, at the swordsmanship than uh, Takuru is. But Takuru is probably still better because he has more battlefield experience. And it's something that they do talk about pretty extensively. Um, Going back to the Sansu River, uh, Juzo was on the ship. This is one of the few times Juzo is actually 
in the Sanju River because he doesn't want to go back there because he wants next to nothing to do with um, the Doshu and their plan. And he he's literally down there just to talk to Dokuku, asking if getting involved in trying to fight Shinken Red will get in the way of his plans. And when Dokuku says he doesn't really care, Juzo's like, okay, bye. <laughs> Uh, Basically, <laughs> it's kind of it's like loose. Look, 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 man. I don't want to mess your plans up. Can I, I, can I, I just want to fight this guy. Would stabbing this guy be of inconvenience to you? No. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go stab this guy. <laughs> it's also <laughs> it's also kind of loosely implied that Dokuku and Juzo don't particularly care for one another. Uh, it sucks too because they they don't you don't see them interact much more often than this because Juzo is. Getting ahead of himself here, he's a bit of a wild card and all in this entire story. So, the monster of the day uh, comes out of the river during Juzo's departure and admits that he managed to find the Torah's order, the Torah origami or the tiger origami, um, during the old war which shielded uh, Dokuku away. The Torah origami was lost in between in between the crevices of the human world and the Zanzu River, and he managed to find it and used his powers to brainwash it, brainwash it to make it a uh, a servant to him. So when he attacks and shows off the Torah or the Torah origami to the Shinkenders, he fires one of his mind control blasts. At uh, Chake, but Ryosuke jumps in the way and takes it. He is now mind-controlled and fights off the other Shinkenjus. They they can't really handle him too well because they established earlier that Ryosuke is probably the most skilled of the five. So it it shows. Um, when um when he returns later in the episode. He brings Ryosuke with him, and Takaru has a plan. He wants to fight Ryosuke by himself. This makes the other three extremely nervous, because they're afraid that, because Takaru is more battle-hardened, and this is an actual fight, that he might actively hurt Ryosuke to the point of... Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Unable to resume his Shinken? Fatality. Well... <laughs> Maybe not that far, but yeah, you kind of get the idea. Don't want to cane him. So, they start fighting, and good boy Juzo, who just showed up after wandering through the forest, and before this, there was a scene of him uh, talking about his sword, the, I don't know how to pronounce this correctly, Usamasa. And oh boy, the, the backstory on this web and when we get to it, it's going to be a discussion in of itself. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Um, yeah, but, the, but the source called, called Uramasa. Uramasa. Yeah, Uramasa. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> I can't wait until we get to the episode where the sword's backstory comes up. That's going to be a fun conversation. Um, he shows up in his human form because he can kind of switch between a human form and a Gadosh form. He's Observing the fight with the other Shinken, just kind of talking about uh, Taku and Ryosuke's battle, seeing uh, that uh, 
Takaru has more experience, technique, and manages to uh, counterattack Ryosuke with a disc that puts a what it says in the subtitles anyway, a resist spell on him, which breaks the spell, freeing Ryosuke from the um, the hypnosis. So, uh, Monster of the Week boy over here summons the Tor Origami again. Uh, Takaru jumps in the Shishi Origami to go after it to try to cure it while the others handle the, the Monster of the Week. Takaru manages to free the Tor Origami and they manage to take out the first life of the weekly monster when he grows from a second life. They summon the New Toroshinkano, which gives him drills. Kinda kinda sick. I'm not gonna lie, drills always make for a cool weapon. And they kill him. The end of the episode is probably the most significant part of this episode. Uh Ryosuke apologizes to Takaru for attacking him. While he's down there on his knees uh, apologizing, Takaru turns to him and says, I could have put in there was enough Mojikara in that spell I put into to possibly kill you. And I played... I love how he how he words this sentence. I made a gamble with your life, and I'm sorry about that. And it shows Azuma and the other four kind of in awe over showing... of Takaru showing some humility and care for the others. And he asked to never talk about this again because he probably didn't want Jita to get on his case for fighting one of his allies. Or he didn't want to acknowledge having to fight one of his allies. But it's the first true sign of Takaru showing any sort of terror for any of the others. And again, baby steps. <laughs> um, I think so we're open for discussion now. You guys can unmute your mics. Um, I think this, the ending of this episode is probably the most important part of it, and it's going to be where most of the discussion is going to lay, because like Riz has been complaining about this whole time, Takuru hasn't really shown much humility up to this point, and this, this is the first time where he does it. And because it was kind of a difficult, quite a difficult situation for him to be in, even though he doesn't show humility up to this point, he clearly has some care and well-being for these guys. This is the first time where he actively acknowledges it, and that's that's a step in the right direction for him. So, I know you want to say something, Riz. <laughs> I've been holding back, waiting for you to finish talking. Go for it. Um, I'm going to start off by saying. It's about time that he does something other than being a dick. Because, yeah. So, I'm glad to see he finally has some humility. When I was watching the fight, before we got to the end, I was mentally screaming at him like, You idiot. You have learned nothing about caring for your team. You gotta find a different way to handle this. Why are you, why are you doing this? And, like, while he gambled with his life and that, that in itself is a whole discussion right there. Yeah. Because on one hand, what happens if he gambled incorrectly? I mean, what happens if mm-hmm. that was it? You know, like, he took the gamble, and there's a lot of things to say here, but the biggest one is 
he made a call as team lead of, you know, what's best for the team and how can we best handle the situation. And he couldn't exactly stop and be like, hey, what do I do here? Because there wasn't much time to really think about it. Mm-mm. He just had to act on gut instinct. And in this instance, I think he probably made the right call here, honestly. Like, I can't fault him for what he did. He gambled. It worked out. If it hadn't worked out, well, that sucks. And I'd have a very different take right now. But mm-hmm. it worked out. He he gambled correctly, meaning he has some semblance oh. of being a good team lead. And he has some care because at the end he did apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that this absolves him of all the things that I've complained about so far, but it's a pebble under right direction. Well, just like with every other character, it's very small step by small step, yeah. and it starts ramping up as you go. But yeah, I think, and I like, and I like turning point for him for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. I like how you, I like how you sort of worded that. That it was a very uh, short, kind of harsh decision making because he didn't really have time to sit down and plan out anything greater. And that sparring segment they had at the beginning of the episode where Takaru kind of showed that he has the upper hand on Ryosuke probably felt like that if it came down to a one on one battle. He trusted his own skills to be able to get in one clean shot to to save him, and I it's yeah you're right it was an on the fly decision but it wasn't a stupid decision either. No, he had he had reasons to yeah. think it would be fine. And, yeah, because it's I, in my <laughs> mind the way I kind of imagine this in the back end is I have this imagination that's completely my own fan in mm-hmm. that he and she sit down and talk about everything before they do it. And he probably sat down with Z at some point and they discussed that sparring match and or maybe in a previous, you know, because I, I, you have to imagine they spar every day. So at some point mm-hmm. they've had to talk about, you know, who has what abilities in battle so Takaru probably needs something about like, okay, I kind of have the inkling of what I can do against my opponent if this ever happens in the future, or if I ever fight him for real. So he wasn't just being a complete dick. He actually put yeah. some thought into this, I think. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine anyway, because I'm trying to get the benefit of the doubt here. Because he's still hot garbage, but he's <laughs> less hot garbage by a little bit, by one pebble. <laughs> I'll give him one pebble less than the garbage bag. <laughs> hey, hey, he he's easing up on him, guys. We're making progress. <laughs> right, like, yeah. I took away one pebble. This is not a victory for y'all yes, yet. Yes, yes, but that's mm-hmm. one less pebble. Okay. He can get the pebble back, don't worry. It's still possible. We're still really <laughs> early on. Yes, we are. So. But yeah, I, I like this episode because, again, I, I, too. I, I love Ryu as a character right now. Like, annoying as he was in the beginning, he's, he's kind of growing on me, man. I know, he comes off as the 
how I like to describe Rios Kane the early part of the season. Because there's there's characters from other series that kind of fill this whole idea of you you imagine being in this position and it's like a wild fantasy idea. And then when you actually get into it, you realize that there's it's not all rainbows and sunshines. And yeah. Rios K kind of having the reality of it all kind of hit him in the face and he's kind of toning it back and not being some over-exaggerated glory boy and he's being more I guess realistic about everything. It's it's a nice um arc for him. It, it's a, it's a small arc that happens very very early in the season, but it is nice to see the impacts of everything just hitting somebody real early. Yeah. Nathan, Anthony, it's safe to talk now. Yeah, you two can go now. <laughs> okay, we just making sure. <laughs> so, no, I didn't really have much to say. This go was ahead. a very interesting episode because you have, you know, it's not like they set this episode up from the beginning because you have Takaru and you have Ryunosuke training with each other with their swords and whatnot. And people are going to be thinking, like, oh, or like, I wonder how they would feel if they actually fall for real, for real. And then, lo and behold, it actually happens. And, like, this particular Ayakashi was actually very interesting as well because, like, he basically was able to take control of one of the, like, origami uh, mechas. And it's like, wow, like, this dude, like, you know, pretty much, if he, if he, if he wasn't just, like, the standard, like, one of the middle uh, Ayakashi of the week, he could easily have been like one of the strongest uh, villains, like villains this far. And um, villain, I mean, Gato shoot, they fought this far if he was handled better. Yeah. Uh, the the Toro origami is also pretty cool. Uh, like Patrick said, drills are always cool. Um. I don't have much else to say. I think you guys pretty much perfectly uh, summed up how good this episode mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I do want to make note of the Tor. The Tor Origami on its own is probably one of the goofiest looking tiger mechas in the series. Four drills and a wheel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> He's so goofy looking. But he makes probably one of the coolest uh, Shinkano editions. So... Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Anthony, you uh, you're gonna wrap us up with uh, Act Ten. Um, so go ahead, take it away. All right, with this episode, it's the conclusion. Uh, let me go look at the name of the episode. The uh, Great Sky Combination is what it's called. Okay, the Great Sky Combination. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Um, Basically, in this episode, um, Takaru tells the uh, the others that um, basically, basically since we have all, like, three of the uh, origami uh, combination uh, mechas, 
um, we can finally active like finally uh, combine all three of them to make uh, Daitengu, and it requires uh, three pilots to pilot it so they can use it. Uh, of course, uh, Takuru says he's going to do the do um, use tour or tour origami, while uh, Rinosuke uses uh, Kajuki origami, and. Of course, freaking uh, Chiaki wanted to use, wanted to be the one to use the Kabuto origami because he's like, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. But um, Takuru and G end up picking Mako to use it, and uh, you just got to feel for to feel for uh, Chiaki in this one because he really was like, he's like, oh, like I really wanted to be me because you know he he really he like he really you know wanted to like earn it. And so he put all to his all of his training. Uh, he just you know basically starts like training to the point where he doesn't even eat any food because he's so focused on training. Because um, they basically have to be like all in all in sync with with the same level of a uh, mochikara basically. Uh, he but he wanted an equal level with uh, Rinosuke and Takaru because he's kind of still lacking. And Mako's kind of like the third strongest, if you think about it. Um, basically, in this um, attack of the Aikashi, this monster basically has the ability to make you make you fall into a deep depression with uh, raindrops and slight trigger warning. I just want this 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 could be qualified as an episode that involves the S. Yes, word. If that, if we can say that, can we say that? Or no? I'm. What? What? Because I'm. Because like, I'm. It's basically. It's just like <laughs> it's like a heavy topic, so. Probably not a good word to say. Right. Okay. That's why I had to stop myself from saying it. Um. But yeah. Like deep depression. So. Um. This this Akashi in particular can fly too by using his uh, head as an umbrella to like you know basically fly around and attack the Shikinjus or what. Um, Ma- like they were about to start using their um, origami disc. Um, Mako was about to use her um, top of this, but she ends up getting getting attacked by the monster and drops it. Uh, Shaki grabs it. And Mako's like, hey, like, thanks for catching it. Now hand it here. And Jackie's like, nope, and just puts it on his uh, wood spear. And it doesn't work at all. Like, no matter what he's doing, it's just not working at all. And, like, um, Rinosuke's firing his arrows, and, like, the monster is getting away. And, boy, G is pissed. He is like, uh-uh, that was really stupid of you to do that. You you know that it wasn't that wasn't your disc, that was Mako's disc. You know, um basically getting mad to the point where he takes um his uh Shoto phone for disobeying, you know, the disobeying uh saying he's not ready to be a samurai if he's making those decisions. And it gets to the point where Shaggy gets so pissed, he uses his Shoto phone in his uh brush mode and like starts painting X's and like circles all around everybody. He he even gets Rinosuke and Mako and uh Kotoha. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. 
Gotta love that Chiaki. Who else but Chiaki? That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he basically um, realized that he went um, about, his, about training Chiaki uh, the wrong way. Um, G kind of like lightens up because he talks to Takuru. He's like, he's telling, like, this is the one thing I actually like about Takuru is that like Takuru actually kind of defends Chiaki in a way. He's basically telling him like, hey, I mean, like, your method of training doesn't work if you're training him like you trained me. He's not me. He's somebody else completely different. He's not the type of person who will, like, take the discipline that you get to him well, like I have, because I was living with you since day one, so I'm good with that. But him, he is a whole different person. And um, so G ends up finding uh, Chiaki um, after he leaves the arcade, and he ends up riding his motorcycle and tells him, hey, get on. They go to a forest, and he teaches Chiaki, like, so what what is what what do you see? And he's like, I see the forest. He's like, Yeah, but like you need to find your source of power, which is, you know, for the forest is your power. So like you need to use the Mojikara to your to how you want to use it. Because this it, this is your power, like you should be able to use it however you, you see fit. And he actually ends up telling him, actually apologizing to uh, Chiaki for what he said earlier. And of course, Chiaki's like, wow, you actually said sorry. Like, that was an apology? And he, and Chiaki apologizes, apologizes to him as well. And um, while they're talking, uh, the Aikashi that attacked them earlier comes back, fights the four uh, Shigenjurs without Chiaki. Um, Chiaki shows up to uh, help. He pulls off this really, really cool build, cool move um, using his Mojikara and was able to um, destroy the monster in his first form. Um, it grows to its like you know giant form. Um, they form a uh, Shikino, but like are not able to like reach him because he because you know he's using his um, ability to fly and. Um, because of what happened with uh, how he how well he did against the uh, Akashi the first time, Mako allows him to now uh, Shaki to use the Kamsa disc, and they all three him Takuru and Rinosuke form uh, Daitengu with all three of their uh, origami mechs, separate mechs, and it's pretty cool. It's, you know, it's, it's like a winged beast. It's flying all around the place and it was able to actually destroy the monster with just, um, it's, you know, just, it just that foam alone. And so, let's see. As the episode ends, uh, Chiaki reveals that he painted um, signs on G's face again as a prank when he was asleep. <laughs> much to his, much to him getting angry, and that's how the episode ends. Yeah, pretty. Um, so far, every Chiaki episode we've had is a pretty good one. Um, I would. Uh... I don't think there's much else uh, more to say. I think it's. Uh, yeah. I think this is um, a good episode that uh, you know. Um, 
establishes that, you know, Chiaki wants to become stronger and, you know, you can, um, you know, he feels a little insecure about himself early on. And I think uh, we're seeing a lot of character growth with him. I would probably say that of the 10 episodes, because we've now taken a look at all 10 episodes, he probably feels the one that has, that's growing the most so far. So this was definitely a good episode for him. No. It helps when he was the one that had the most growing to do. Out, out, well, outside of Kaku, of course, but out that's of the, a lie. Out of the four that came in, I mean, he's. But the, the, I've always remembered this episode because of the scene of the two in the forest. I I just love how, um, G kind of explained this. This is your element right here. Feel it, understand it, and learn its power. Because he is the the samurai of wood, and mm-hmm. just getting telling him to be around his elements and understand its abilities to try to find his way in his own style. It it's such a simple moment, but it works so well because he took up what Takaru said that everybody learns differently and someone who has a psychology background yes everybody everybody learns differently and Takaru knew that the way that he taught Takaru is not going to apply to everybody else so he needed to take a different approach to Chaka and look at that, it, it worked and I, it was a developmental moment for G also like I, I don't think anybody was really going to talk about that but G actually had a character moment himself he he doesn't get many of those throughout the season either. So it's, it's nice to see that for him. Riz, Nathan? Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool that he rides a motorcycle too. That's pretty awesome. No, you, you wouldn't yeah. expect yeah. to be a biker, but he is. <laughs> it's kind of sick. <laughs> Anything else to add, Riz? Uh, I liked episode 10 a lot. Tiaki has really grown a lot. Um, I think Tiaki is probably my favorite of the five so far. Mine too. Well, that kind of allows us to uh, segue into, like, just, um, you know, uh, since we've talking about all the episode, um, all the episodes, uh, you know we're, uh, um, you know we're gonna uh, just go over briefly our early thoughts on uh, Shinkinger, um, just to kind of close this out. Um, I, I guess we could talk about the characters first. You know, you guys say that Chiaki is your favorite, but let's go over these characters one by one. Just the Shinkingers. Um, so we already, uh, you know, I think uh, we'll start with Takeru. Um, so, Riz, you want to say anything else, or do you feel like you've oh, already no. uh, addressed all the beef that you have with Takeru? I will, I will say two words, and I'll pass it off to Patrick. Hot garbage. <laughs> oh, boy. Seriously. I, I'm, I'm being serious when I say this, though. I'm actually enjoying hearing Riz's perspective from somebody who hasn't actually seen the series in its entirety yet. Um, 
and it'll be kind of cool to see how, how his uh, opinions change as we go along. But early in the season, Takaru is by far the most troubled of the five. Because he is so hard in his shell, and he will not open up, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to show any signs of humility to anybody. But some little, couple little chinks in the armor at the end of the ten episodes we covered. Um, but I feel like most of that was because they were trying to establish the impacts of being a Shinkenger to the other four. I feel like that's where most of this was, and Taku will get his time to shine later. But as he is, he is pain <laughs> to, to put it to put it lightly. So yeah, I'll pass the torch on to somebody else. I'll add on real quick that while Taku is hot garbage, he's still eons better than uh, Ninja Red. Oh, 100%. I've only seen... I said something nice about him. I've only seen five episodes of Ninja, and I don't like Akaninja either. <laughs> wait, whoa, 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 wait. You didn't see the Lawnmower episode? No, I... I, I when, when it was airing, I stopped at episode six, but I didn't like anything about it. <laughs> I mean, we tried watching it on here, and we we couldn't go beyond, like, that. Uh, that was the episode yeah. that killed all of us, I think. I mean, mm. I mean, from what I've heard of me, Ninja, no one likes it, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still like uh, Takeru for now. I think he, uh, I think he has a lot of. It's hard for me to really go into depth with my opinion on him. Consider, I mean, like Riz, uh, like uh, Patrick and Anthony, I've seen Shinkinger all the way through already, so I kind of know what's all that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I can understand Riz's perspective that he kind of yeah. comes off as kind of a jerk or hot garbage, which seems to be the trendy <laughs> word that we're using in this video. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, not much else to say there. But uh, Anthony. Uh, pretty much overall, like, as someone who's already, I've already watched pretty much Chicken Jews, like, all the way from, like, <laughs> the longest time, it's just, I never get tired of it. I never get tired of watching the show. Like, I watch it as if, you know, I, I didn't miss, I missed, I didn't miss anything, you know, like, oh, I remember this and this and the other. Mm-hmm. So. so for Ryunosuke, um, you know, the funny thing is, is that going into this series, Ryunosuke was actually my favorite. Um, and even though we're only 10 episodes into this rewatch, that opinion is actually changing for me. Uh, I, now, I don't hate Ryunosuke, but I can understand how, you know, the funny thing is, is that... Um, you know, a couple of months ago, I did a, a tier listing of a Sentai Ranger, so I did it for Blue, and I posted it on Reddit, and I got into this, not necessarily heated, but kind of a, you know, discussion about uh, 
you know, because this guy did not like Ryunosuke, and I just kind of, you know, I accepted his opinion, like, you know, we didn't say anything anything nasty to each other or anything, but, you know, I did kind of, I did kind of roll my eyes at some of the stuff that he said secretly, because I just thought that maybe he was looking at Ryunosuke, um, you know, uh, in a really bad light. But I can understand how people will find him annoying early on because he does go a little too over the top. I mean, stripping oh. down, like, you know, standing <laughs> in a fountain half yeah. naked. Like, I can understand that. Now, he's not bad. I mean, if you want to see him at his worst, just watch Samurai where Kevin, you yeah. know, Kevin is Ryanosuke at his worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like him. I'd still put him in my top five blue. Um, and I and like I said, I mean, the seventh episode revolving around him is like one of the best episodes of the mm-hmm. series. But uh, but um, yeah. I, now I'll get I'll get to who's my favorite um, in a little bit. But yeah, even though I still like him, he's probably no longer my favorite Shinkinger because there were a couple of things about him that I might have liked back then, but kind of watching it all these years later is a little older. I can see why people would have issues with him. Mind humor me for a second. Who do you have as your favorite blue? <laughs> um, well, you, uh, um, none of you guys will probably uh, understand this yet since none of you have seen this Sentai yet, but uh, that would be Time Blue from Time Ranger. Time Blue? Okay, well, I'll look forward to it when I, I see, start I watching see. Oh, okay. I honestly thought you were going to say Goki because Ging Blue was a very, very good character. <laughs> Ging- oh, Ginga Blue's in my top five. Oh, yeah. So. Go- Goki was a fun character. Um, but yeah. Going back to Ryo, yeah, he starts off <laughs> he starts off as the joke character. I don't think anybody's going to that. But I-, I love how they really quickly tone him down. Because if, if, if this kind of over-the-topness lasted like 15 plus episodes, he would have been probably the worst character in this cast. But they do a really good job of toning him down really quickly and kind of establishing him as the the confident, loyal one instead of the crazed, fanatic loyal one. And I think that decision of turning him down early was the best possible decision they could have made for him. Because could you imagine if he was like that for a quarter of the season? I don't think anybody would like him too much after that. (laughs) He would have become hot garbage too. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was good as an it was good as an intro. Production, but if it went on longer than that, uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got anything else to say, Anthony Riz? Uh, I'm, no, good. I'm good. Well, so that is we're going to uh, move on to uh, Mako. Um, she's probably the weakest 
of these five, not going to lie. Um, even the one episode that we have revolving around her doesn't really add much to her character. Um, mm-hmm. All we know is that she's just kind of a big sister and she wants to like get married and raise a family. I mean, that's all fine and dandy, but yeah, she, um, you know, she's probably the weakest of the five we have so far. Yeah. I don't, I don't like getting ahead of myself either, but she, she kind of stays that way. She's probably the weakest developed of these characters from start to finish, too, because it doesn't really, doesn't really expand upon her much more than that, which sucks in all honesty because I genuinely like her as a character though because she's so calm and motherly mother figures are always hard to hate at least I at least for me anyway I mean to add a comment real quick I mean I think the reason she has the least growth in these 10 episodes is because she's the most matured of everyone here Mm-hmm. And she has the least to gain from being here as a person because she's already done her growing. She knows who she is. It just comes down to fulfilling an honor for the family. Did you want to add something, Anthony? Are we talking about like uh, the villains? No, Mako. Oh, um, with Mako. Wait, he's a Mako. Yeah. Okay, with Mako, um, I do like her character. Like, she's comes off as very like a passionate person, but like she's very like no nonsense either. She's like the big sister of the group. You know, she's just like looks out for everybody. Um. Mm-hmm. And she does not like deal with the deal with, deal with the bullshit. You know, she's very like like straightforward. I was like about her character. Wish she could cook, cook better though, but <laughs> that's just one character flaw that she has to have because she's you know already better at creating everything else. So they have to have one flaw. That, that's that's one right there. Well, aside from that. Um... We'll move on to a Chucky, who I guess seems to be Risen Anthony's favorite. Um, and that's acceptable. I like Chucky. I think he really throws a wrench into the whole um, samurai dynamic by being someone that really doesn't care about it. Um, so far, like we've said, uh, he's kind of seen the most growth. But... Uh, I don't think there's much else I can say about uh, Chucky that hasn't already be hasn't already been said, unless you guys want to add anything. No, he's he's just the ever guy. Like he he wants to do things his way, but then he gets forced into doing something he doesn't want to do. I public school, and you know how we all handled public school. We didn't want to be there. We didn't pay attention. All that fun stuff. So no, I can I can relate to his perspective. <laughs> Relate to his perspective a yeah. little bit. No, I think Chiaki is probably the best developed character thus far. And oh, yeah. even like just his personality, his who he is, 
is why I think he's one of my favorite characters to come out of Sentai so far. Ooh. Bold statement. Yeah. I, I enjoyed Siaki quite a bit. I mean, I don't have a favorite member from Tokyozer or um, Zeozer or uh, Ninninzer. And then from Kiarinzer, I. Kiarinzer, sorry. Um, yeah, I. They were they were all good characters, but none of them really like hit me in like a personal way like how Tsuyaki did. So I I greatly enjoyed Tsuyaki's character for that. Um, he's still too to marvelous, but that's my fanboy coming out here. <laughs> so, but yeah, no Tsuyaki is amazing. He is nowhere near hot garbage. He must be also protected. <laughs> Anything uh, you want to add, Anthony? Oh yeah, that basically um, Riz already explained it. So, oh okay. Well, uh, we'll wrap up with Kotoha and then just briefly go over everything else. Um, you know, Kotoha is my favorite Shinkinger now. Um, and honestly, you know, I forgot how amazing Kotoha was um, when I watched this. Because, you know, I know in, my previ in our previous video, I said Luca was my favorite Sentai Yellow. No, that's Kotoha now. And I know that we're only 10 episodes in. I don't care. I, I Watching these first <laughs> 10 episodes has reminded me of everything. Um, you... And, you know, one of the things is because, like, in episode 6, it really kicked close to home because... Uh, you know, um, and uh, when I was watching episode six, like, you know, so to cut a really long story short, when Shinkinger was, when I was watching Shinkinger for the first time, I was at a really low point in my life because, you know, I, you know, I, I've been bullied a lot and I, I had been bullied a lot when I was in high school back then and not only that, but I was going through like a really bad breakup with a girl I had been dating, and I had just been pushed to like this really bad edge to of depression. And if any of my family are listening to this, I apologize for all that misery I put you through. Thinking, but uh, anyway, um, you know, hi I, mom. Yeah, <laughs> I would frequently take, I would frequently take jabs at myself. Like I would say all this really bad stuff about myself in the same way that Kodoha insults herself in that episode. And, you know, it really, uh, you know, and I, I think that, you know, watch, I, it really helped me relate to Kotoha a lot and kind of understand what she's going through and everything. So yeah, I, I, especially with episode six, like I just a lot of things that Kotoha went through really hit close to home for me and I I don't know, she's she's just this sweet, innocent person that doesn't deserve to go through anything that she's going through and I every episode that revolves around her, she does a good job. And even the episodes where she doesn't do much, she still has a lot of personality as just this innocent girl that just wants to be friendly with everybody like even the episodes where she only has like one or two lines so yeah 
I I'm actually taking away the title of my favorite Shinkinger away from Ryunosuke and giving it to Kodo, huh? And I'm <laughs> confident that that's going to remain the case for the remainder of the series. KSP, KSP, KSP. <laughs> Sorry, battle cry, dang it. Yeah, to the first 10 episodes, she's probably my favorite too, because I, I mean, what you were describing, your relation, your uh, kind of sympathy for her. Yeah, I mean, my high school life was exactly the same. You, you don't treat yourself very well in high school uh, when yeah. you were in the position like you and I were in. And a lot of that whole self-loathing and self-beating uh, is 300% relatable. Um, but, it, it, but at the same time, she is the most like character on this cast. <laughs> you can't hate her. It's like you every time it's like every time you she gets sad you, you just want to bust through the butter. <laughs> and by the way, if, you, it, if there's anybody out there that doesn't like Kotoha, we're gonna find I will find you. you. Yeah. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills and I will find yeah. you. A particular set of I'm like, what is wrong? I'm asking, what is wrong with you? Do you just hate life? Like, that's that's what like, I'm asking. Like, like, do you I don't know how to. Yeah, it's, like, it's like I don't know how to use a bow and arrow yet, but I can learn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> add anything? Anybody else want to add anything? Right. Must be at all costs. I am good for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll continue to discuss some hot garbage next time. Well, uh, you know, uh, originally in the outline, I wanted to talk about the plot briefly, um, but there's not really much. It's pretty basic stuff. Um, it's nothing just really to uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The villains, I mean, to be honest, I don't think we're really, I don't think we're really uh, deep enough into the series to really give an overview of the villains, because mm-hmm. um, the only ones that seem to have any personality right now are Dai Yu and Juzo, but we still need to see yeah. more of them. Uh, unless you guys want to add anything, but I, I don't think that the villains have much no. personality. Do- the Do- villains are pretty- yeah, the Do- Others they do get better as we go, but here in the early parts of the season when they're just more focusing on establishing yeah. the main characters themselves, they're so whatever at this point. <laughs> but about halfway into the season, the villains start becoming a little, little bit more engaging. So we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, yep. for right now, I will say that in the early episodes, the villains are a major fault in the series. Mm-hmm. And that we don't really know much about them, and that's a problem to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they need to have more personality by this point. Well, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, think. I don't think many Sentai's do a good job of establishing villains early. Outside of the ones that are really good at it, like Jetman per se, who I still say has the best core villain group of any Sentai I've seen up to this point. Um, yep. But it's it's kind of hard to top uh, 
Radicate and Gray and stuff like that, but it, they still get good, just slow burn on them. Well, uh, hopefully uh, next time uh, the villains will start to uh, get better um, in the next batch yeah, of episodes. Mm. At this point, like, it's our hot garbage. We pretty much don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that about wraps up uh, what we wanted to talk about here. Um, next, uh, we'll be visiting Shinkinger again uh, next time. Uh, more than likely, we'll be taking a look at episodes uh, 11 through 20 for the next 10 episodes. We hope you guys will uh, join us for that. Um, uh, uh, we're also, um, you know, uh, like we keep on saying, we're going to be, uh, doing a lot of other things. Uh, you know, we're going to be making a uh, videos talking about sort of Power Ranger seasons all together. Uh, we're probably going to be taking a look at some other non Power Ranger tokusatsu adaptations in the near future, like VR Troopers, uh, and, um, Big Bad Beetleborgs. Um, and feel free to leave any comments down below with what you'd like us to cover. Um, if you're watching this video on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel if you're not already subscribed, and give this video a like. Um, check us out on AnimeSecrets.org um, and all of our social media pages, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, once again, we thank you guys for joining us and at the beginning of our jer samurai journey. Hope you guys will join us for the next part. And uh, until next time, uh, we're Toga Secrets, and... Uh, we're going to be departing now, so uh, see you guys next time. Bye.